you go out with the girl because you need to learn the social skill. You need to get the reference and the experience. As my girlfriend wants sex most days, it usually aligns with when I'm going to bed at 9.30. You're going to TikTok it up with these 13-year-olds dressed scantily clad, doing nothing, just lip-sticking, just, just, you let five years go by and now all of a sudden you're not 20 anymore, you're 25 and it's much harder to learn social skills. You simultaneously love this girl that you're with in monogamy, but you really want to experience sexual connection with someone else. It's more importantly that you're just not afraid. You no longer live in fear of other human beings. You can only ever be where you are right now. What is your podcast? It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to this podcast on how to balance sex and dating with the rest of your life. Whether you're in multiple casual relationships, open and free style, whether you're learning about yourself in relation to others, you're enjoying your inadequacies, all the shadow patterns, all of the attachment behaviors that you have, the neediness, the outcome dependence, alongside with actually learning what it means to become energetically connected on both a physical, mental, and spiritual sexual space, you know, all these different things you're going to learn through open and free relationships. Maybe that's you. And maybe you're just struggling to balance having seen those multiple partners and learning all those things with the rest of your hustle, with the rest of your temple, your purpose, physical, mental, and other social development. But maybe you're like my client, who is the foundation of today's podcast, who is in a closed and locked, closed and locked monogamous relationship, which means you're just seeing one person and you guys are committed, exclusive in that sense. And you've got other relationships in your life with friends and family, business, uh, other networking opportunities, and also the, just the rest of your temple, even when you are in a closed and locked relationship. And you're struggling to maintain that balance. That's what we're going to cover today. We're going to cover the lifestyle balance, and it's really going to be geared towards what stage of development you're in. That's really what we're going to target in today. I'm going to give great examples from different stages of the journey of your development in social event dynamics and social development in general. But we do have a message here, which we will ground ourselves in. Before we do though, welcome. Welcome, my friends. It's great to have you here on the Bold Ojo podcast. If you're here on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button down below. Drop me a comment throughout the session or at the end with any big bigs, any big truths you might have during the sesh. I'd love to hear your feedback and also catch me up on Instagram at uitang1, double O-I-Tang1. Uh, lots of content going on over there. Also, make sure you guys are signed up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip, at boldojo.com. Put your email in. It's free. I update you guys once a week on uh, all cool shit going on in this universe and also some social dynamic tips as well. So I think that's all the plugs. Without further ado, let's get it. Got this guy's message. This is a previous bootcamp client. Shout out to two years ago when we were actually able to travel properly when I was in Canada. And first time in Canada, up in Toronto, and this guy's uh, one of the greatest, one of the greatest bootcamp clients I've ever had, uh, just in terms of his overall mindset, his energy, the way he showed up and performed, incredible. And so I'm referring to him as X. He knows who he is. Uh, I probably could use his actual name, but it's just easier for me to refer to him as X because that's what we refer to everyone as. So X sent me this message on my private WhatsApp number just this week, 22nd of May, saying, "Hey, Adam." Hope you're enjoying every second of this beautiful world of 1,000 possibilities. Feels like just yesterday we were on boot camp and yet so much has happened since. Reaching out for some guidance. I'm having a hard time balancing my growth and cultivating relationships. I go to bed at 9.30 p.m. and wake up around 5 a.m. 
By doing this routinely, I am able to optimize sleep and my morning routine. Uh, in brackets, meditate, move, and read. In brackets, it sets me up for a great start as I am then in an optimal state to enter my work tasks and get into a very concentrated state for a few hours. At night, I also cut blue light and calm the pace of my day at around 8 p.m. So my body understands it's slowing down. In brackets, a must, as I've had insomnia for most of my younger years. In brackets, I believe he is mid-20s. X, I could be wrong on that. I could be right. You could actually be late 20s. Somewhere between mid to late 20s, I would say. Anyways, he went on to continue to say, after describing his night routine, slowing down at 8 p.m., He had insomnia for most of his younger years, which is why he needs to focus on this. And he goes on, where I'm having a hard time is drawing the line. My friends and girlfriend want to enjoy our youth, which means watch a movie Friday night, go out on Saturday night and go for a Sunday late stroll. So mainly weekends, but it also applies some weekdays for, let's say, a late chilling. (laughs) I want to be part of it all, but I also want to stick to my routine, which allows me to get things moving forward. And in return, it makes me feel accomplished. This impacts me in many other ways, such as sex frequency. As my girlfriend wants sex most days, it usually aligns with when I'm going to bed at 9.30 p.m. So that creates tension. To sum it all up, I'm having a hard time keeping healthy relationships with my family and friends and girlfriend while striving forward in like with this pre-planned day that I've set out. Hoping you can shed some light on your insight. Any help is always much appreciated. Sorry for the length of this message. Trying to fit an essay into a few lines, but I'm failing miserably. Haha. Uh-huh. Hope you have a blessed weekend and sending you nothing but love, brother. Okay. So that's the message. That's the context for today. And what I want to do in this podcast, my friends, is actually separate it into two, really into, or maybe not two segments, but maybe we'll take two, tr- two sides of the tree. Two sides of the tree, two different ways of thinking about it, in which that I will address very specifically my client here, just right off the bat, very targeted uh, for someone who's in a closed and locked monogamous relationship. We'll address that first. But then I also want to address the open and free, multiple casual relationship style, because while the answer may be similar in principle, depending on who's listening to this, depending on you listening to this right now, whether you are going after exclusive monogamy or you're going after open and free polygamy, it's the way you hear the answer will sound very different because of the examples of your lives, because of what you're actually doing in your lives. So I'll address close and locked exclusive monogamy first, and then we'll move on after that. So to me, it always comes down to life hierarchy. That's where we're always going to begin. You know, my client there, ah, no, uh, no disappointment and no surprises that he's hustling on his temple, like I said before. And I'll just say this at the beginning of the podcast, actually, I'll just flesh out a little bit more for those who are not aware. When I refer to the temple, I'm referring to your external manifestation of how you are conducting yourself in this life. I'm referring to what you manifest, what you execute in this world. And I break it up in four different sections, beginning with in a hierarchical sense, purpose, physical, mental, and then social development. And then within the temple structure, there is a internal manifestation known as the inner garden, which transcends everything that I just said, but we will not be discussing that today. It's a whole different, that's when we start to get to this more spiritual esoteric stuff. But when we're talking about the temple, we're talking about the things that you can 
you that not only you can, but that you will use your ego to execute in this world. What my client is doing sounds very good. He's very much focused on his hierarchy. It sounds like his hierarchy is in line. He's talking about setting up, he's got an end-to-end loop, which is something I always school my clients on, not that I've spoken to him about this specifically, but when people are struggling with routine, setting up their days, I always talk about end-to-end. There should be no gaps. There should be no holes in your daily schedule. It should be end-to-end that your night feeds into your morning and that your morning feeds into your night and everything that happens along the way. So what it sounds like there is that he's doing really well. He's got morning routine. He likes to meditate and move uh, to set up his day, to get him concentrated and get him into the right mental focus to execute his work tasks. So he's very much focused on his work, on his purpose, and then whatever else happens throughout the rest of the day. But then when it comes to night, he's got his night routine where he's lowering his brain activity and inducing the hormones and the chemicals that will allow him uh, serotonin and whatnot to fall into a deeper sleep and to get a much higher quality of sleep by cutting out blue light, by slowing down an hour and a half to two hours before he actually hits the sack. You know, these are these are excellent, excellent behaviors, excellent habits, and lead to high performance. And I know, not only because I spent time with him, but I know he's a high-performing guy. So this is all excellent. And what I'm, what I'm fleshing out here is how he's got his life hierarchy sorted out. Because when it comes to his question of now sexual activity and balancing the sexual activity, because while dating, he's not in a dating space, he's definitely in a sexual space with his girlfriend. And she has needs. She has desires. He has friends and family that have desires as well. And they definitely conflict with his desires. So me to you, X, what I'm saying to you straight up is that our life hierarchy is always at the first and foremost front. We always put our life hierarchy first, which is that purpose always comes first. So before any of your friends and family's desires can affect what you do in the schedule, you must uphold what you need to do in this life. If you don't take care of you and you don't honor what you need to do in this life first and you let that succumb to the thoughts and opinions and desires of other people, then you'll find yourself always chasing the pleaser. You're always pleasing people and you'll never find fulfillment in that. But then that seems too hard at a certain point. It seems like you can come off as too hard, too cold and too icy if, especially with the way that you set up your lifestyle, it sounds very similar to mine. Instead, it's so routine, so structured because you want to get the maximum performance out of your ego, out of your egoic self known as X that you're using in this world of 10,000 things and in this world of cities. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of that. But when it comes to now having to appease and to maybe not even appease, but to to meet to meet a sexual desire of a partner, this is where you're going to have to get creative. This is where you're going to have to have open lines of communication, direct communication with her as to very much specifically and explicitly, what is it you need? When do you need it? What is it that I need? And when do I need it? You know, you've given me ideas that she likes to have sex at night. I would like to know first, and I'm going to check all the boxes with you, which is, have you actually had this discussion? You know, a lot of partners, when they're in close and lock exclusive relationships, they just assume that they know what the other person wants because you've been together for a year, two years, and you assume that that could never change. You assume that desires could never change, or you assume that whatever you're doing right now is fine. When actually, if you were to just ask the question, could we be doing something better? Is there something else that you would like? Would this suit you better? Could we try this? You know, these open lines of communication, while very simple, they require courage because 
there is the potential that you're going to rock the boat and then there is the potential that you will be denied and it will cause an argument. I just want to make sure with you that you have that as a foundation that you're open and willing to discuss with your partner what it is that I want and what it is that I need and being so willing to embrace all of what she wants and what she needs as well. So this is what I'll literally be doing with you two if I could have you two in the same room is that I'd have you two sit down and I'd say, okay, we got X, we got Jenna. Okay, both of you on the table right now, talk to me about your sexual desires. It sounds like with UX that you are you haven't specifically stated how intense your sexual desire is or your sexual appetite is specifically, referencing one of my social Q&A podcasts from season six. If you want to know about sexual appetite, just go to season six. I think it's one of the last episodes of season six. You haven't specifically told me what your sexual appetite is, but let me just take an average. And actually, just based on your energy, I'd say you might be somewhere between a seven to eight. You might be borderlining in sexual filthy. You might be uh, just top end uh, sexually curious, maybe six or seven, but you uh, want to be having sex anywhere between five to seven times a week. I might just ballpark you at that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might be less. It might be more. I don't know. But I'm taking a slightly above average sexual desire is what I'm saying. It's just that you don't necessarily want to do it at times that fuck with your schedule and that fuck with your routine because of how important your routine is to your performance in life. Okay, that's what we've gotten from you. That's basically what I understand from you. If I listen to Jenna now, based on what you told me about Jenna, your girlfriend, obviously fake name Jenna. I don't know anything about what she's doing in life. I don't know what her work study routine is. I don't know if she's hardcore in the morning and night routine as you. It doesn't sound like it, at least for the night, because if she's wanting to be having late night sex and, you know, 9.30 doesn't sound like late night to a lot of people, but X to me is very late night. Like my bedtime's 9 p.m. I went to bed at fucking 8.30 last night. Legit, legit. Uh, a lot of girls got upset at me last night, actually, because <laughs> you know if you got if you've got when we get to the multiple open and free relationships, I'll talk about this more. But if you've got several different uh, girls that you're talking to, or it, whether you're in casual relationships with them or not, or whether they're new leads or new uh, new flames in your life, and you set a certain routine to talking with them, uh, you know you talk to them at this time at night. And you don't, like it can it rocks the boat in a whole different way. So let's just forget about that for now because we've got to stay focused on X's situation. All I was talking about there was that she doesn't necessarily have such a tight night routine. I can say that at the least without having her here in the room. And that late night, 9.30 is late night if you're over 25 years old. For most 25-year-olds and over, uh, after 9.30 p.m. is where definitely you're, you're in wind down. You know, when you're younger, your timeline's a little different. Maybe we can talk about that a bit more later. Actually, maybe we will talk about that a little bit more later when we get to the stages of sexual activity and your desires. I might want to flesh that out a little bit more. I'll keep that as a pin. So anyways, staying on Jenna here. You're saying that she wants to have sex most, I think you said most nights. Let me go, let me not put words in yours slash her mouth. You're talking about, okay. It impacts me in many other ways, such as sex frequency, as my girlfriend wants sex most days. So there's at least five out of seven days out of the week, if not all seven days. And it's usually when you're going to bed at 9.30 and that creates tension. Okay. So it sounds like she's got a pretty healthy sexual desire as well. And I would probably ballpark her if you guys are in a closed and locked monogamous relationship and it's been working for a decent period of time. 
I would say that you two have very aligned sexual desire. And if it's most days of the week, I don't know the nature of your sexual activity. I don't know if you're involving whips and chains, handcuffs and coconut oil. I don't know what you guys are doing, but uh, whatever you're doing, it's at least frequent. So that's good to see at a minimum. Hopefully, this is not going to be a podcast. Maybe it will be, but no, this is not going to be a podcast on uh, how to spice up your sex life. We can talk about that for sure. I and mean, I have talked about that at length in previous, in specifically the last few episodes of season six were very heavily sexual focused. Uh, hot versus cold sexual energy, sexual appetite. There's a couple of others as well. But anyways, moving beyond that. It sounds like you guys have aligned sexual desires, all I'm trying to get at here. It's just that these sounds, now that we've taken all into account all these pieces of information, the main block is just simply the routine and when that's going to happen. And if I have you two here in the room, I would ask Jenna uh, straight up, is that, is 9.30 the only option? Is late night the only option for you? When it comes to these open and direct conversations with our partners, we want to do away with the fat. We want to get to the meat straight away. We want to reduce superlatives. We want to reduce uh, verbality and we want to keep things as clean cut as possible. And the number one question that if I was UX, if that if the sex routine, if the sexual desire is in alignment, but the sexual routine is not, then just go straight to the horse. Go straight to the golden pot and say, is the routine of which you like to have sex cement? Is it hard and locked? Or is there room to move? Could you possibly, and the way I'll put this is that, because you don't necessarily have to, I'm using coaching words to help you get your mind around it. But the way I would position this to her is by saying, uh, listen, Jenna, I've noticed that it's at, you know, whatever her name is. I've noticed that it's roughly around this time that you'd like to have sex. However, it does cause a lot of tension for me because it fucks with my night routine and you know how important that is to me. So what I want to know is, is there another time that could work better for you? Is it? Or does, is this the only time or is there another time that could work better? I would just ask her straight up how she's feeling about that because you may have assumed if you've not had this discussion with her that 9.30 is the only time that she lies to have. But she may have been just playing that off you. She may have been playing that for other reasons that you have absolutely no idea about. And maybe there would be other experimentation ideas that she would be open to, but you have not yet uh, explored. So that's something that I would put to her straight away. Now, if she comes back saying, uh, well, because of X, Y, and Z reasons, morning's not good, X, Y, and Z reasons, uh, during the middle of the day is not good, so it really just has to be uh, late at night, then we've reached an impasse. We have reached a fundamental block in our alignment of life journey. In a relationship that's closed and locked, we talk about foundations and uh, fundamentals of that. You're always going to hear people say communication. And really what that means is the ability to be direct, congruent, and authentic with each other, to have open lines and wish that you can discuss issues such as this. However, it's not just that. That's not just fundamentals of close and log relationships and being together with one person. It's also the humility to recognize when things aren't working and when they aren't working for what reason. There are micro and macro reasons for your issues in your relationship, my friend, when it comes to your sexual activity. If you can get a, if you can get her to open up to experimentation with different times of the day with sexual activity, then what you've got there is a partner that is on board with you, online with you in macro relationship foundation. 
that she's seeing you as you, as you as her partner, and is willing to work to try and bring alignment here. That's all we're ever really looking for when we're addressing the issue in the relationship. Is this person willing to come in alignment with me or work to find alignment? So there was once a podcast I did on this. Just shut the. It's getting super dark. I want to make sure it's not that. It's not just my screen. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is my screen dimming. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Give me a second. There we go. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm taking manual control, son. Okay. So as I said, there was what's a podcast that I did addressing a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy who his Brazilian jiu-jitsu routine fucked with the sexual activity routine of his girlfriend. And his girlfriend used to complain a lot about how he didn't want to have sex after jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu is extremely physically taxing. They say in that scenario... There was a whole bunch of, a whole host actually of other red flags of which that they weren't able to bring life alignment together, not just with the jujitsu, but also with her activities in life that he wasn't able to meet, et cetera, et cetera. So bringing it back here with UX, what we're looking for is a macro empathy, a macro empathy and understanding that I'm willing to work with you and I'm willing to try things. That's all we're looking for. That's all I'm looking for with Jenna. I'm not looking for a solidified answer. I'm not looking for to just give up everything and to completely acquiesce and to submit to your wills and desires. That's definitely not what we're looking for. All we're looking for is the openness to change, the openness to come into what would bring a better alignment for you because it might not necessarily be a better alignment for her, which is actually what a relationship really is, is where can we find a compromise on what I need and what you need and find a harmony between the two and always ending up in harmony. You know, it seems like a compromise at first, and it will be. It's a compromise on your ego, but then when your ego comes to peace and realizes, okay, it's not the end of the world, if, say, Jenna says, okay, maybe let's try before dinner then. Let's try 5.30, 6 p.m. before we eat, and she goes and experiments with that, and while it's, you know, it's a bit of a compromise, it might not be the absolute best for her, but it's a lot better for you, then eventually her ego will come to harmony with that because she finds that you're a lot happier and it wasn't a massive change for her versus, say, her going from 9.30 p.m. to having sex at 9.30 a.m., etc. I think I was getting rickrolled by the light. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, I've got it. I've got it. I've got No, no. <laughs> I've got it set to auto. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Lighting issues. Uh, okay, so... So that's that's the fundamental principle of what I want you to cover first, X with her, is have an open, an open, direct conversation with her to bring about the alignment in which that we can make compromises and try new things. Just try different ideas. That's all it is. But I said before that there was an impasse. What if you get a return that doesn't match with that? What if she comes back with, actually, nah, this is the only time. So what does that mean? Does that mean that X now has to completely change his routine? and sacrifice his performance in life to be able to meet his partner. This is where we're going to have to draw a hard red line. This is where the red line in the sand comes for me, which is that nothing should ever get in the way of your life hierarchy. Right? Your life purpose, the reason why you're living, the, the true reason for why you are living should never be shortchanged and should never succumb to anything else within your hierarchical life, within your temple of this world. 
However, there are ways we can best optimize our ability to execute in this life. And there are definitely ways that we can get creative with this. And the creativity is the point I want to get on with UX, which is, is it possible that if not every night of the week, but one night of the week, or maybe half of the nights of the week, you could arrange for the morning routine or whatever's tasks had to be done the next day to be either downgraded or pushed back later. So just give you an example here. This is something that I routinely have to do in my own life. Not that I'm in closed and locked relationships and I haven't been in many years. I like to live open and free. So seeing multiple people, open and free casual relationships at a time. I never get beyond five. I'm never seeing any more than five people at one time, but it's normally operating between somewhere between two and five. Generally speaking, I only want to see one person a week. Now, actually, maybe I should say these examples for when we get to open and free relationships because it's not going to stay relevant to you. Yeah, okay, we'll hold that. We'll hold that then. Okay, let me just say this for you because what I'm going to relate to you on here is that I'm very, very similar to you. I have a very hard set bedtime. I have a hard set night routine, hard set morning routine. Uh, It's very cemented. I have a lot of high level tasks that have to be performed during the day and I need to be at my absolute best. However, if with some of the partners that I'm seeing, if if the only time that week I could see them is a Wednesday or a Thursday, it didn't line up on a Saturday or Sunday where I don't do any of those high level uh, performance-based activities, at least in terms of my purpose, Monday to Friday is when all that's happening. Then, But I couldn't see that that woman on somewhere on a Saturday or a Sunday. Is it possible, is the question I ask myself, to rearrange things on the next day so that I could spend a little later with her at night? That's That's what I ask. Is it possible? It's not telling myself I have to. It's definitely not the priority. I don't prioritize my time with the woman over my purpose. The purpose is always number one. However, if you're in command of your schedule and if you're in command of your life, you should be able to find creativity. You should be able to be able to become creative and say, well, what if the next day, in, for my example, I can only give you examples from my life. I can make up some examples after. But for example, do I have to record this podcast for my client first thing tomorrow morning? Or could I do it later in the day? which means that I would have time to recover from a later night if I spent later at night with that woman. For example, with the morning routine then, which you definitely will be able to relate to me on, do I have to do my intense strength and conditioning tomorrow? Does it have to be done tomorrow? Does it have to be done early tomorrow morning? Could it be done slightly later? Or in my scheduling of my training throughout the week, could I do my strength and conditioning on a different day? Because I'm definitely not doing intense strength and conditioning every day. Right? My depending on your fitness routine, I don't know what it is, but I know X is particularly fit. Uh, I know he likes to do a lot of his running, a lot of cardio as well. He's pretty shredded. <laughs> I remember from Bouquet, he's a he's a fit young gentleman, all right, and he takes care of himself. And so, what I'm asking here is for you to entertain the possibilities of creativity in which that you could flex. Where can I find flex that doesn't actually destroy the purposeful activity, but flexes to make it so that it would not impact the purposeful activity as much? Uh, just I'll try not to give you examples from my life because it doesn't relate as well, but I'll try and just keep it very myopic here. For example, 
there's one girl that I'm only able to see on particularly Wednesday or Thursdays because of the way that our schedules line up. Yet I typically don't like to go on dates during the week. I don't like to see women during the week because it fucks with my purpose. It fucks my own routine. But I really like her. And we have great sexual activity together. We have a great time together. We get great connection in the eyes together. So what I try to find is a flex period on a Wednesday or Thursday in which that I can push purposeful activities later in the day so that the previous night I could hang out with her until 10, 30, 11, which is really fucking late for me. Like if I go to bed at 11 p.m. X, that's like a hangover to me. It feels like a hangover the next day because I'm usually in bed at nine and two hours is a big difference. Those birds are going crazy right now. <laughs> They're going loco. Can you guys hear that? Probably not. The bike's too good. So so that's a, that's an example in which that I can find flex. For example, today's a Wednesday. Today is a Wednesday. I'm doing this podcast a little bit later in the day. Last night, actually, well, not last night, because last night I went to bed at 8.30. But for example, there are some girls that, uh, for those of you that are dealing with long distance relationships, that either because they moved or they either moved, you met them close proximity, but then they moved, or you just met them through online and you had passport or whatever, and you met someone who's in London now or they're in a different state, etc. Or it's just that you have not been able to find a meeting connection in person as of yet, but they still live in your city. But you have a relationship that's more founded in online dating uh, or online communication primarily. If you have regular times of the night that you two like to sex, that you like to do either phone sex or Snapchat sex or whatever it is, you're sexting it up. You know, that's going to take you into the late hours in the same way that if you physically were going to go see her. So can I find flex time the next day? That's all I'm really trying to point out. I'm throwing, trying to throw different examples out there. But but the main idea to hold here is that the purpose never succumbs. It only flexes. In this life, we're not just operating on an island. No being is an island. As as much as we want to optimize our efficiency, our execution of our purpose in life, because that brings us the greatest joy and the greatest fulfillment, it allows us, it stokes us with the fire to be able to give back the most to other people outside of us. That's why we focus so hard on that. If we focus so hard on that to the point where we isolate ourselves from everyone else, then what was the point in doing it to begin with? If we work so damn hard to the point where we push everyone away from us, we'll have no one left at the end to enjoy that with. You know, the work is only as good as the people that can relate to it. So that's what I want you to consider here, X, is that yes, purpose is always at the top, but find find room. Find room to allow people in with it. I, I feel the struggle with you very intensely because I've dealt with this pretty much all of my professional life mostly because I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've always run my own business except for a couple periods where when I was 16, my first job was in retail. And then for a brief period, I worked at Apple uh, as I was in transition from personal training to uh, photography and videography and fashion space. But in between those two, I was working at Apple for a year. And so my schedule was taken care of for me in, in a sense for my purpose. But other than those two brief periods that, so maybe two years of my life, I was at Apple for like a year and a half or two years maybe. No, 
I think it was only a year and a half, maybe year and a half. And I was at I was at Rivers, the retail store in Australia, for like I think eight months at the most. So I've probably spent an accumulated two years of my professional life, being twenty eight years old now, having my purpose schedule taken care of for me. But other than that, the other the other what twelve years or ten years of my professional life, I've had to dictate my own purposeful schedule and balance the sex and the dating within that. So I can relate to you very big on this. And it's a very lonely world, my friend. It's a very lonely life if you can't find flex room. If you can't find flex room within your purposeful activity to be able to bring people in. It's just that the problem you're dealing with is a very high level problem. Right? Most, most people are not dealing with the issues of having a beautiful girlfriend that you're super attracted to that wants to have sex with you all the time, yet you've got such intense drive and passion for your purpose in life that this is causing a clash between the two. A lot of people are not in that space. It's a high level problem to have. It's a good problem to have. And so I just invite you from personal perspective to not become to not become the island, okay? So I think we've covered your situation quite intensely there. Uh, I think the only other point that you would ask me about was the friends and the family. The friends and family, because you didn't, you didn't just talk about sexual activity, you also talked about other activities in life. So the same, the same goes for them. Like what, when we're talking about your girlfriend at the moment, what we're also really talking about here is just in general, the people that are special to you. I would not make these concessions for people that aren't special to me. I, I don't stay awake at night checking my Instagram DMs for anyone's message or going on Snapchat and responding to anyone's message. You know, I'm only giving my time, my value to people that I find of value to not only my life, but that they find value of me bringing it to them. We have a mutual exchange of value. Those are the people that are special to you that have mutual exchange of value because you make them feel good. They make you feel good. You feel special when you're with them. They feel special when you're with them, when they're with you. It's like, that's what we're really looking for in terms of criteria to make concessions for. You don't want to make concessions for absolutely everyone. And that's where you got to, as you get more and more connected in life, and you're a very social guy, I know, as you get more and more connected in life, you're going to have to make these decisions. For example, with the friends and family, there are specific times of the day that I will respond to friends. I will generally speaking respond to family at any time because it could be an emergency. But in terms of my social communication with friends, there's only specific times of the day that I'll respond to them. So that doesn't fuck with my purposeful activity in life. Only specific times of the week uh, as well that I'll go and see friends and family. You just gotta you just gotta adjust your routine to set parameters in which that you make sure purpose always stays number one and then you find room for the rest and then you flex rest in. That's what that's what it is. Just apply it to the criteria of who's special to me and you'll be fine, okay? Alrighty, let's move to open and free relationships now. And this is where the podcast is going to get very macro. We're probably going to get some stories here. We're probably going to get into some much deep, uh, some deep, deep, some deep, deep rice, <laughs> some deep, deep meat here. So let's say you're not in a, oh, actually, I just got to finish one point there. I realized I haven't finished. If you meet a true impasse with your exclusive partner in which that they are not willing to make a compromise to flex to help you to flex as well in which that they're just not willing to come into any form of alignment with you then that's when you guys need to separate 
because now it's not a micro issue of alignment. It's a macro issue of alignment. It's a, okay, we're just not in the right places in life now. We just don't see life in an aligned way. If that happens, that's when you need to have the humility and the maturity to realize that actually we're probably not the best for each other right now and we need to make a clean separation here. That's one point I really needed to hit before. And some people might say, but Adam, that sounds a bit rough. Sounds a little sounds a little kippishy for just because he doesn't want to have sex a little bit later at night. No, 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 Jeffrey. No. All relationships are founded upon a sexual energy. The root, the bloodstream of your relationship is in a sexual energy. And the sexual activity that you have and the routine that you have might seem mundane. It might seem simplified because 9.30 on a Monday, it's easy to say, but it's what happens within that. That's just the time at which we are trying to execute the foundational connection between you two, which is sexual activity. You two would not be together in the way that you are if you didn't have a sexual connection in polarized energy, masculine and feminine. So if there is an issue in any of how that comes to be, whether it's the actual activity that you two are doing, whether it's a misalignment in sexual desire, misalignment in sexual appetite, misalignment in anything physical, or there's a misalignment in anything sexual psychological or sexual spiritual, getting into deeper levels of what type of energy is being transferred between you two and the way that you look you two each other in the eyes, we can get deep levels here, we can get into many different paths. Or it's just at the very surface, what looks like surface level, just the scheduling of when we can enter that particular set action. It's all an issue that relates to something very foundational. So, and actually what you find is that if you, you can look at most issues in a relationship and the root of them is always in misalignment of sexual energy. Right, we've talked about this many times, talked about this many times. When you are... When your girlfriend calls you up and says, can you bring home the coconut oil and you forgot to bring home the coconut oil and she absolutely loses her shit, it's not because you forgot to bring home the coconut oil. Right? There's if, if, if you are walking down the beach with your girlfriend next to you and you happen to look at an absolute feisty mama who walks by who's looking hot and she fucking loses the handle, your girlfriend loses the handle at you because you're looking at this feisty mama, it's not because you were looking at the feisty mama. There's a always to be found a break, a seismic break within your sexual polarity, sexual connection between you two at the root. Something is definitely going wrong within your sexual connection, whether it is on the tactical level of that we're just not having sex enough, we're not doing it at the times that I want it to be done, or whether it's the way it's actually being done. He doesn't care for me when it's been had. He doesn't do it hard enough, doesn't do it good enough, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't give me what I want, et cetera, et cetera. He's very selfish, only wants to be pleased himself, et cetera, et cetera. That's why she loses the handle when you're looking at the feisty mama. Now, let's take the reverse and say that your sexual alignment was perfect and that was in crisp condition, perfect mint condition, that everything was just tip top, 100%. She's completely happy. You're completely happy in your sexual connection. You're still walking down the beach. You see a fasty mama walk by. She might slap you on the shoulder or she might uh, give you a nudge and say, listen, you're a naughty boy and I'm going to fucking punish you later. And that's the mental flip. That's the complete different flip, which is that she's not going to lose the fucking handle at you because you looked at another attractive woman because she recognizes that you're a hot-blooded male, that you're a sexual being, 
she's just going to make a playful. She's going to make it cheeky and just fucking give you a good spank on the ass, right? That's what she's going to do if your sexual connection is in true alignment and she's happy and you're happy. The manifestation of the anger and the frustration appears that she didn't like you looking at the feisty mama, but actually it's because she's deeply unsatisfied at her core level. Same thing with the coconut oil. Listen, whether you brought home a jar of coconut oil is not the end of the world. What is the end of the world is that you didn't bring home a jar of coconut oil and you're completely bombing the sexual connection between us two. So it's just two things and it's two things for one. It's two plants for one. And that's why should we go hard on that. I'm glad we got that. That's definitely a point we want to get out. Now we can make the flip to the open and free relationships. If you're not in closed and lock monogamy. So... Yeah, this is where we're going to get a lot of examples and a lot more uh, stories out here. So I think we'll take this in terms of stages of development. Because it really depends how you balance your sex and dating life when you're a beginner of social dynamics versus when you're, or when I say you're a fish, we're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, the four different stages, either on the clock phase of social dynamics. 12 to 12, whether you're 12 to 3, which is fish stage, which essentially is just unconscious incompetence. And then you go from 3 to 6, which is the second quartile, being beginner, which is consciously incompetent. Then moving up into conscious competence, third quartile, being 6 to 9, intermediate, conscious competence. And then finally, the final stage of social dynamic skill set being unconscious competence, which is advanced, 9 to 12. Depending on where you are in that clock face will definitely dictate not only your level of sexual activity, but what you're prioritizing within the sexual activity and prioritizing your sexual activity within your life. Yeah. Hmm. So I might need to slow down here for a second because we've been running at a pretty hot pace, but I just really need to get my thoughts here on how I want to structure this. Okay, let's start at the top here. If we're talking about how we're going to balance our sex and our dating life with the rest of our life. If you're anywhere in the first half of the journey of social dynamics, learning social skills and social skill set altogether, if you're anywhere in the first half, so that's 12 to 6, unconsciously incompetent or consciously incompetent, then your sex and dating life should be at the absolute top of your hierarchy, save your purpose. So when I'm saying save your purpose, purpose, we're just default always putting our purpose at number one. Whatever you have to do to wake up in this life, it should always be number one. I don't care about anything else because nothing else can happen. If you don't have the desire to live, what's the use in tactically and strategically designing plans to optimize your dating, romance, friends, family, purpose, uh, your physical, mental, and all the other development you want to do in your life if you don't even have the desire to do and do any of it. So you definitely need to have that light in your eyes, that beat in your heart that says, this is why I'm waking up in the morning. This is why I'm getting up today. Let's get it. That's always going to be number one default. I don't want to have to say that anymore though. So we just understand that's always there. So if you're, though, now getting back to it, if you're somewhere between 12 to 6 and you're in the first half, which is really the first... That's, that's, that's the uh, pushing shit uphill. That's the going up the mountain stages of learning social skills. Then the sex and the dating should be at the top. It should come over your physical and mental. But 
this might seem like for some of my hardcores a bit of a contradiction of everything else that I've said. Because if you look at the temple, the temple is purpose, physical, mental, social development. Social is at the bottom. Social is at the bottom of the hierarchy of the temple. I'm talking about this in a very micro sense. I'm talking about this within the scape of traversing the clock face of social skill set, the journey of social dynamics in and of itself. If you do it correctly, for the average person, that journey is going to take normally one to two years. If you're on the scale of zero to 10, 10 being the absolute natural, zero being the hard case of all hard cases, five being the average person in the middle. If you're anywhere between five and below, actually, let me say that again. I'll, I'll say we'll get to that. If you're five and above, I should say, because that's average and above, then you is going to be roughly one to two years if you do it correctly. Which And what is learning social skills correctly, my friends? Fundamentals here, the three keys, relentless action, accurate feedback, and sound guidance. You put those three things together across uh, one to two years, you've got action plans, you've got timelines, you've got the relentless action that says that you're doing you started off your journey with 30-day challenge, then you're doing action blocks throughout the rest of the year, eight to 10 of them, four weeks at a time. You're getting experience in the day, you're getting experience in the night. You're breaking it all down with a sound guidance with a coach that knows what he's doing, right? And that it's just, it's all, it's all, all cylinders are on. If you do that for one to two years, if you're five and above on the scale, you will traverse the clock face of social dynamics at least into conscious competence and cement conscious competence as well, which means not just six o'clock, which is the entry point of conscious competence, because that's not worth anything. If you just reach, I was talking about this with a client just the other day. If you do all the work to go from unconsciously incompetent at the start of your journey, 12, and you get all the way to six, conscious competence, and then you just bail as soon as you get there, it's essentially like taking your car to the gas station, the petrol, to the old pumpy, and filling up your car, but not screwing the cap on. Screwing, you know, filling up your car with as much fuel as you can, screwing in the cap, but not taking that extra final click that enters the safety mechanism that means that this cap will never fall off. You know, if, if I see this again and again with guys that put in a lot of work or anyone who puts in a lot of work on their social skills, but only just enough to reach conscious competence which means that you know what you're doing, you can do it, that you can consistently enter interactions with an average level of effort, that you still actively have to thought process to ensure successful action, but you know what to do and how to do it. That's conscious competence. And you can do that through even a cold interaction, open qualification, investment close, and it also manifests in many other ways as well. That's conscious competence in a nutshell. If you only just enter that, and then you just give up and you go into a long-term relationship, or you just stop going out altogether, or you just do something else completely, go to the temple, go to go, go meditate for 30 days or whatever, uh, you're going to regress. You're going to regress. And the more time you take off, the further you regress. And for a lot of people, they regress all the way back to zero. And it takes them a long time to build back up again because they didn't tighten the cap. They, they went out and drove and just let all the fuel fall out. That's what I meant by the reason why I just wanted to hammer this in because I recently discussed this on Instagram. By the way, guys, on Instagram... I've been doing a lot of uh, short videos just discussing topics like this on the story where I'll just sit down and caption them out. So make sure you follow me there at Tang one Tang one But yeah, we want to get you... It's going to take one to two years is the whole point I went on. We're going on deep, deep. I'm not even calling this a tangent. This is just a deep, deep specific I wanted to get, which is it's definitely not a tangent. It's just specific. So one to two years, it's going to take for the average person to be able to get to what I just said in conscious competence if they do everything right. 
Few do though. Few do. I've got a couple of clients that are doing it right now though, and it's fucking beautiful to see. See beautiful to see their growth internally and also their external growth with all the relationships and the people they're bringing in and experiencing with. It's it's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you change your life. Change who you are and you change life as a result. So so why so now I've got to remember why we even went into the clock phase. So oh, okay. So zero to six, first half of your journey. The dating, that's right. The dating and the sexual activity during that period, actually, it doesn't. That, yes, here we go. That's why. From, it's not even just from 12 to six, from 12 to seven at a minimum, but really 12 to eight. Because 12 to eight, that means you are cemented within conscious competence. However long it takes you to traverse that journey, which if you do it right, only one to two years, if you're the average person, if you're not the average person, it's going to take longer. But that should, that activity, that. That focus should be above the other parts of your temple except the purpose, but it's only for a very myopic short period of time in relation to the rest of your life. I say you just got to get it handled now while you can. Get it handled now, put the investment in now so that you can reap the reward for the rest of your life. Invest in your development now, put your dating and your social development with the sexual activity focus onto your investment now, invest in that now. And yes, it is. that does mean that you're not going to spend as much time recovering for your physical activity. You're not going to spend as much time and be in the peak, the peak of your performance if you're an athlete or the peak of your mental performance if you're a mental athlete, if you are studying, if you're working on your thesis, if, you, if you're having to do research or whatever you're doing, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, it's good. All, everything is going to be affected because you only have so many bars of energy in the day. And if you only have so many bars in the day, they can only be allocated to so many things. And to allocate energy bars to one pursuit indicatively means that you will take energy bars from something else. It's a finite resource. Your energy is a finite resource. Now, don't get into the discussion. Well, maybe we should. <laughs> I mean, what I was going to say there is that now we can have the discussion on how to get higher quality energy bars that last for longer. And that's when we're talking about how you're fueling your body, how you're fueling your mechanical beast known as the ego, both in a metaphorical and physical sense. You know, the higher quality nutrition you put in, the higher quality performance you'll get out. Higher higher quality petrol you put in, the higher quality performance you get out of your car. Same thing with human beings. If you're putting in high quality shit, you will get high quality shit out. If you are consuming low quality shit, aka McDonald's, processed food, or processed information, you know, mainstream fear-mongering news media, uh, just, just big asses on Instagram, fucking big titty pages on Instagram, whatever, you, you know, this low consciousness shit, TikTok, just scrolling on TikTok, watching 13-year-olds, 13-year-old German girls on TikTok, just sitting there, just on a Friday night, just staring at the camera, even though they can't go out because they're only 13, and they've got all these dudes just fucking trying to hit them up. And all they do is just sit there. <laughs> I've ranted about the TikTok too much in social security life. <laughs> it's just ridiculous to me that someone would give their attention to it. Like there are there are videos on TikTok of girls with millions and millions of views, and all they do are these rubbish dance syncs where they're doing like rubbish, like dance moves, but they're really poorly performed to some music but just because they're super hot 
that gets the fucking views. So. <laughs> but it's like, who's commenting on this? But there is, there's thousands, there's thousands of just low level shrimp, shrimp fish. Don't be the fish, all right? So what I'm talking about there is the consumption. What you're consuming, you need to be pay high attention to. Pay high attention to what you're consuming because it does dictate what you will export. What you import will dictate what you will export. And so if you want higher quality energy bars, which is where we got onto this conversation, you can never get more energy bars. We all have 100. However, the quality of those energy bars is wildly dictatable. Wildly dictatable. That's all I wanted to say on that. So, coming back here, coming back up. Listen, guys, my mind is on. We're not going to lose any of these threads. I'm right on with it. The reason why I brought up the energy bars is because we're talking about life hierarchy here. If you're in the anywhere between on the journey of social dynamics, learning through unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, or conscious competence, and getting into the midway of that, anywhere between 12 to 8, you're going to have to prioritize your energy bars to social development. Otherwise, you're not going to get it done. If you're only going out once or twice a week and you're now, let's say, you're five or below on the scale of social skill set, not going to get it done. That was my journey for two years. Go out once a week, go out twice a week. Yeah, you'll learn how to be able to get someone's number. You'll be able to learn to have a, a couple maybe wild makeouts here or there at night, but then they're all flaking. No one's coming out on dates. No one wants to see you again because you're just not going out enough to get the reps to change who you are to learn true social skills, right? True social skills and a change in a way of being requires intense, intense effort and commitment. Ask any of my clients that have traversed the clock face of social dynamics, they'll all tell you the same thing. What's the key? What's the secret? The work. Eh, Work. It's just the work. Because why? The work works. And if the work isn't working, it's not because the work doesn't work, it's because you don't work. The work never not works. It's only ever you who doesn't work. But then you go ahead and rationalize it and blame it on the work itself. No, no, no. I've never seen anyone commit to the work and it not work. It's always them that didn't work. And what that is to say is that the mindsets they brought to the work, the fact that they gave up on the work most of the time, but sometimes you can do the work with the wrong mindset and that relates to the same issue. You know, the result is the same. If you belabor the work and you hate the work but you still do it you're never going to get a good outcome out of that anyway so 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 bring it back in i wanted to cover the contradiction of the micro versus macro focus on what should i be spending most of my time doing in this stage of my journey because i thought purpose was always number one and yes purpose is always number one but also i thought that physical and mental development came above social and yes normally it does if you have achieved conscious competence and a cemented level within it then your social development can take the back seat why because you have the skill because you have the investment because it now just compounds on its own interest that over the next five, 10 years, as you go into long-term relationships, if not monogamous, but long-term open and free relationships, whether that's with the same people or just you're in a long scale, a long span of monogamous, of multiple relationships that are polygamous, that are open and free, and you've just been living in that for a long time, which is actually describes me quite well. You've just been living in open and free relationships for many, many years. But you, but you did the work prior to that to be able to know safe and sound 
that if I ever did need to go back out and spend a good meaningful period of time meeting people, if I ever wanted to just for the sake of it, uh, teach someone else, coach someone else, if I wanted to help a brother out, help a friend out, that I'll be pretty good because I'm consciously competent and I could definitely give back to someone else in that way. You know, that's a more altruistic way of looking at it as well. But if you're not at that point, then dating and your sex life, sex life is such a clickbaity thing. What we're talking about here is your social development. And your social development includes your sexual activity and your dating and all the people you're seeing. Your social development should always be prioritized above the physical and mental during your learning stages to put that investment in. A lot of people don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that because they deny that that is them, that they require that. It takes an extreme an extreme percentage of humility to be able to accept that, actually, this is what I need. And listen, guys, I am that guy. I, that's my story in a nutshell, that the reason why between late 16, 17 to 19, that I was in the journey of cold social dynamics for two years, but just fucking up, you know, didn't go out on a single day to didn't have a single sexually polarized relationship, didn't get into any sexual interactions at all for two whole years, yet I'm still in the journey. It's because I was, number one, only going out once or twice a week, maximum, normally is once every second week, which is enough to help you enter romantic complacency stage, which is that, oh, well, I'm good enough to get someone's number and you rest on that. But then also because of the fact that I didn't have the humility to realize that I'm actually a lot worse than I am. I'm a lot worse than I am. I actually need to work way harder than I think I need to. Our egos are so grand. We're 100 grand up on our egos and we never like to accept that we need a lot more guidance, a lot more work. We need to just shut the fuck up a lot more and do the fucking work, right? We know no one wants to hear that. Your ego does not want to hear that. Yet, it would be such a great measure, such a great rule to always apply to yourself that actually 10x it, 10x. Whatever work I think I need, 10x it. If I think I need... If I think I need to go out one day of the week, 10 exit. I'm going to go out 10 days of the week. You know, that's the mindset. Not that you could go out 10 days of the week, but I could do the level of energy or compartmentalize whatever I'm doing for one day. If my one day is going out and meeting two people, well, if I was to 10x that to 20 people, could I meet 20 people within seven weekdays? You know, that would be a great place to start, but obviously you could do it a lot better than that. I'm just using that as just to fit the analogy. But what I'm saying is that Give yourself a lot more, give you, I'm not saying a lot more, doubt your ego a lot more. Don't doubt just, okay, that might confuse you. Doubt your ego's grand nature a lot more than it tells you. If your ego thinks you need this much, this much work, it's going to be a lot more. It's going to be a lot more. It's the same thing in uh, nutrition and fitness, actually, which is something that one of my favorite nutrition and uh, I think four-time MMA Nutrition Coaches of the Year, Mike Dolce loves to say, which is that whatever percentage body fat you think you need to get to to look good, it's always going to be much lower than that, at least 2% lower than that. So it's like if you think you need to get to 12% body fat to look good, you actually need to get to 10 based on what your mind perceives 12 to be or 10 to be. You know, you're never going to put in as much work as you actually need to. So always save for that. Always save for that for sure. And that's what I'm talking about in your journey, which is that, let's bring it back here. Let's bring it back. I want 
everyone who's not reached or achieved and cemented conscious competence and social skill set to be prioritizing their social development above their physical and mental development. Yes, which means you're going to have to make compromises in your energy, but that's what it is. It's worth the investment. Why? Because it means that for the rest of your life, you'll always be good. You'll always be able to come back, step back out, meet anyone, anytime, anywhere, to be able to hold your frame anywhere, anytime, anyone in front of you. doesn't matter, right? That you that you're a fucking man, that you're a man, that you're a woman, that you've eclipsed the boyhood and girlhood psychology. You know, that's an interesting point I just made with the psychology transition, that it can very much be said as a general rule that people that enter conscious competence that had to, not people that were born with conscious competence of social skill set, but people that started at 12, started at unconscious incompetence and had to traverse the journey of social dynamics. It can be said as a large rule now that I think about it, that those people often have transitioned from their boyhood or girlhood psychology into their mature stages. I I find... I'm finding it very difficult to rack my mind to find an example of someone who's made that transition, who's made that journey of social dynamics that didn't also make that transition of overall maturity from boyhood to manhood or girl to womanhood psychology. Yeah, I can't think of a person. I'm thinking about my clients right now. All my clients that have achieved conscious competence turned into men. They, they achieved manhood psychology. Now, remember... All you have to do is go my my channel, The Bowl, if you're now asking, but what is a man? Well, I have an entire have an entire short film on it. it took me three months of my life to make, actually. Uh, go check it out in The Bowl. But when I'm talking about manhood psychology or mature state, so, what I, so I don't have to keep saying man or woman. When I'm talking about mature state psychology versus immature state psychology, what we're talking about there is not a, a state of perfection, but a state of awareness, a state of awareness of your full facilities in life to do with your purpose, physical, mental, and social development. That's what we're really talking about there. Also, you're in a garden, your spiritual knowing of true nature. So we've got that under wraps. It's just an interesting point there that we just kind of tapped on that I, th- I don't think you could become consciously competent or make the journey to conscious competence and social dynamics if you didn't also make the journey from immature to mature state psychology because there's so much pain. You have There's so much pain to get to conscious competence that it's undeniable. You have to you have to evolve. You have to become aware and accept all of your inadequacies and your flaws to be able to get to that point. It takes a lot of maturity to do that and the humility to accept that I have to do this work, which is where this entire point started. Yes, sir. Okay. So let's move on beyond this now into some real, we've talked about it very macro in terms of how we're going to allocate our energy bars, uh, how we're going to align our lives. I want to bring some faces to this though. I want to bring some stories in, uh, particularly with- now actual sexual partners. I could reference a lot of my clients, but and maybe I will, but I would like to reference myself as well because I think you guys relate to that. I think you relate to both actually. I think you I think you like the client stories and I think you like the stories from Adam as well. So let me give you an example of what it meant for me to have to prioritize my sexual development and my social development above physical and mental when I was in my early stages of development. And yes, 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 yes. And we will contrast that with how I balance it now. Yes. 
Yes, there we go. That's a good one. That's, that's, this will be good because this gives you end to end. This gives you from the beginning to the end. Okay. Okay, okay. Yup it. I'm watching there. Okay. I just like to throw out Japanese words every now and again just to fuck with you guys. Yup uh, means it's like, it's like, oh no. It's like, this is not good. This is bad. Yup <laughs> uh, But the actual word is yabai. But, you know, if you say it colloquially or casually, it's yup Yup it. Or uh, I said emotion before as well, which is just means interesting. When you say emotion interesting. But emotion is also just a really slack, casual way of saying emotion oi. is the actual word. But as you watch more and more anime, you get to learn how people actually say it. Uh, well, you know, in a casual situation. So emotion let's go. So here we go. In my early stage development, when you look at my first 30-day challenge, having to now, after being, you know, 17 to 19, fucking up, no sex, no dates, in two years of doing cold approach, and then finally said fuck it and decided to actually do the work and do a 30-day challenge and then go out and just and just push myself past the point of egoic destruction because it was just ridiculous. This, remember, we're, we're rewinding back to 2012 right now. We're re- rewinding back to before this was a thing, before you could get free accessible information on this. If you wanted information on cold approach, it, you had to pay thousands of dollars to get it. You travel across the world to get it. So, so once I had finally gone on the 30 day challenge though, after the first two weeks, had my first day two, by then I had my first ever sexual experience, had my first ever pullback to my place, had my first ever sexual experience through that and got to my first ever open and free casual relationship through that and by the end of that 30-day challenge, was in three different casual relationships, open and free at that stage. Just for perspective there, just, I, you know, I haven't told my story in a while, but I'm always realizing that a lot of guys don't know my story because I just don't talk about it very often because it's my story. It's like, I fucking know it. But just for perspective there, all of that was achieved in 30 days of going out every single day for 30 days in the day, doing cold approach versus two years of none of that going out once or twice every week or second week. That's the difference between doing the work and not doing the work. It's intense. So now, of course, disclaimer, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be your journey. That was my journey. And there's a lot more other pieces to my journey. In fact, I have entire podcast that describes my journey. I've got two of them, I believe. One of them that was a little more recent, one of them that's really old. But yeah, there's a lot of things that build into that. And I've discussed it a lot in social Q&As as well. But anyways, I just wanted to give you guys a context on the point in time we're talking about here. So when I was in that period, and actually I want to talk about, I also want to talk about after, after there's a couple of periods I want to talk to you guys about here in terms of the sexual activity. So during that period of the, not only the 30 day challenge itself, but more specifically the couple months after the 30 day challenge, when I stopped going out hardcore, like every single day and was just enjoying, enjoying these three or so casual relationships that I would see these one was a much older woman one and the two girls were roughly my age the older woman was like six years older than me and the two other girls were roughly my age remember at the time I'm 19 years old 19 to 20 somewhere around there (sighs) during that time at the time I was a personal trainer and I started my first business and coming out of high school uh, going to personal training and this is not where 
This is not a personal trainer that's hired by the gym. No, I pay the gym to work there. It's I'm a sole trader. It's my own business and very competitive one of that. It was at the largest gym and still is the largest gym in the entire state. And actually at the time, it was the largest gym in the entire country, but it's the largest gym in the state now at least, which is good life up on uh, Adelaide, King William, in Adelaide on King William and very competitive, very competitive. And what I'm talking about here is that I'm in that gym for the first three months, every single day for 12 hours a day, except for the weekends, because they're not open 12 hours a day on the weekends. Nowadays, it's 24-7, but not back in the day. So, but basically what I'm saying is that I'm in the gym from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Even during the 30-day challenge, I'm in the gym from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. to build this business and to get my clientele up to 30 sessions a week at a minimum, which is basically a successful PT. That's roughly $1,500 a week. Anywhere between $1,500 to $2,000 a week if you've got roughly 30 sessions a week. Depends how much you're charging for sessions, but as an entry-level PT who's not charging hundreds of dollars for a session, you know, it's, it's, that's the minimum. That's a successful standard for sure. That's a thriving business. So, so what I want to paint there is that the purpose, that's why I brought that up, the purpose, which is that I'm there 12 hours a day. This is what I'm doing. However, I still had to I still had to recognize the work for the social dynamics and for my sexual health, my sexual activity, my sexual dating, my sexual experience, and my sexual learning. And that doesn't just mean the physical penetration, but the dance between masculine and feminine energy at a very core sexual level. That's what I need to learn about right here. And so I put that up at such a high level that that was the only thing that came underneath the purpose and everything else came beneath that. So I was still go- I was going out. And even though, yes, I was getting way less sleep and I was not able to uh, give my best to my work, my own personal workouts, or give my best to my own uh, mental development, psychological, or my other friends and family because I was going so hard in the dating, but that's the investment. That's the stage that I had made. When I'm in that period then after the 30-day challenge, and I've got these, this is why I really want to bring this up now that you have the context of my life stage. Now that's... I'm seeing two or three different girls at the time. At the peak, it was three, and then there's a little more when I dropped one girl dropped off, and we went down to just two for a couple of months before I got into a long-term relationship. But there was about a two to three-month period there after the 30-day challenge where I was had had a peak three open and free casual relationships. During that time, though, my purpose is still number one, but everything else, I'm still dropping down. I'm still dropping down beneath that because there's so much to be learned in open and free relationships. The whole entire point of open and free relationships is to learn about who you are. You get to find out all of, like I said before at the beginning of this podcast, your attachment patterns, your need patterns, your dependence patterns, all the darkness, right? All the dark shit when you just got done having a great night with this girl and you realize that she's probably going to see a different guy tomorrow. That the learning how to uphold your principles that when the T's and C's of an open free relationship is that we're going to keep our world separate and every now and again we meet each other on the moon, which means that I'm not meeting your friends, I'm not meeting your family. And that when she says to you, hey, I'm at the movies with my friends, can we meet up? And you know, she, and she knows she's breaking the rules, but she's testing you, can you hold your frame? And can you hold your frame when she fucking loses the handle and thinks you're a dick because you didn't meet her and her friends, even though that's not what you agreed to? And then you get the silent treatment for three to five days and then she finally comes back because you hold your principles and says, Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I fucked up. Can we see each other again? You know, I'm, I've got a lot of stories that can reference this, but I'm just breezing over the principles here. I'm seeing the girls come to mind with this and learning these lessons for the first time. They're important pers- lessons to learn and foundational to your development. 
you don't learn that through long-term closed and locked monogamous relationships because you're only seeing one person, which is why we never start in long-term closed and locked monogamous relationships because you're just shortchanging your ability to learn. And my friends, I've always, I say this to my clients again and again, what's the optimal mating system for a human being? The optimal mating system for a human being is the one that is most opportune, the one that offers you the most opportunity to fulfill your desire. If your desire is to deepen your human experience with one person to develop children, to develop houses, to invest in farms in Tasmania, to cultivate blueberries. If that is your desire, then it makes sense to go into a long-term closed lock monogamous relationship. And I would recommend, I'm not against monogamous relationships at all. All I am a proponent of is what meets the opportunity for desire. What is in most alignment with that? If I'm recognizing, I need to learn about myself. That's the number one opportunity I need. That's my number one desire. Then what mating system would suit me best? Well, the one that allows me to do that the most, the most opportunity to do that, which would be open and free, open and free relationships, multiple, I was going to say monogamous there, open and free, multiple relationships, casual, in which that there's no attachment, there's no T's and C's in terms of that we're going to be exclusive. We're not locked down to each other. We're free to see whoever, I'm free to see whoever, and we're just going to learn about ourselves right here because, you know, there's a lot I don't know about myself. There's a lot that I don't know, and I would not, and this is, this is the actual pain point here, is that you actually cause the, per, the potential partner more pain by not going through this process. When two people go through an open and free relationship together, and then after two, three weeks, or even two, three months, always all of a sudden realize that actually what we have is beyond the depths of conceivable imagination. The way that you look at me, the way that I look at you, the way that my heart beats when you talk to me, when you don't even say anything and you just hold me, it is eclipsing anything I've ever experienced with another human being. Let's get in together. Let's ride this journey together now. That's mature. That's healthy. That's strong. Because you got to that point through the pain of overcoming yourselves. By spending two, three weeks to two, three months, or if not more, in an open style in which that you had to deal with all your dark patterns of attachment, neediness, outcome dependence, fears of abandonment, all these other things. But you traversed all those and eclipsed them and you reached the peak of this mountain together. You realize that we're both good together. We both were subject to the same forces, the same pressure, and we both overcame both of those things. Now we can enter a long-term, closed, monogamous relationship knowing that about the other. Knowing that I've seen him, I've seen, her, I've seen the worst of him, I've seen the worst of her. I felt the worst of me, I felt the worst of him, and we overcame that together. That's the, that's the bedrock. That's the foundation of how a closed and locked relationship should begin. Absolutely. I'll ride that. I'll ride that home to the rest of my life. I'm pretty sure that's never going to change. I can't foresee a situation in which that starting closed and locked is ever going to be more suitable than starting open and free. But then there's a nuance. Then some of you might say, but Adam, that's, that's, that I can sense a contradiction here. It might be a nuanced contradiction, but I, I've, I found something, which is that but I thought you said the optimal mating system is the one that is most opportune. But what if 
the opportunity and desire that I seek is investment farms in Tasmania and children. Well, then should I still start open and free? There's a nuance. Which is that yes, but it just might not last as long. You still need that insurance policy. You still need that check on your insurance policy of not only yourself, but of the other human being, that there aren't deep, dark weeds, toxic manifestations underneath that would pop up in 6, 12 months. It's the insurance policy. Starting off open and free is an insurance policy to make sure that you really get to understand what potentially could be the worst of this person. Because that's what open and free relationships do. They're a pressure cooker. They are an intense fire. They set alight your ego. Your ego cannot survive in open and free multiple relationships. It cannot survive because of all the reasons that I've previously discussed, but it cannot survive at a fundamental point because what does the ego want the most? Self, self-reinforcement. Your ego wants its reinforcement the most, that it is number one, that it is the best, the only, that it is of the highest regard. The reinforcement of your egoic grandization, its 100K status, is what it wants the most. Yet for those that are able to transcend that egoic desire, that are able to actually mount their ego, to actually harness their ego for meaningful work, that's who I want to be with. And listen, my friends, listen. Some of you may ask, Adam, you said before, why have you not been in an exclusive close and lock monogamous relationship, a CN, a CNL, a close and lock for so long? When was the last time you were in one, Adam? Well, good question, Jeffrey. The, the last time, I feel like I got a talk show here. The question I was, the last time I was in a close and lock relationship was when I was, I think we broke up when I was 22. Was it? Well, I was even. I, I always lose the date on it, but it's like, when did I go to Japan? Because I went to her in Japan. I think it was either because I was with her from nineteen to twenty-one. We were together for two years, so it must have been somewhere between twenty-one to two years, twenty-one to twenty-two, somewhere around there, was when we broke up, and we've been together for two years. By the way, I just want to reverse back for a second, just to give context, and we'll pick this thread up in a second of when I was last in that relationship. But that relationship, by the way, is perfect because it was born from my experimentation within open and free relationships. Okay, this is fucking perfect. This is fucking kanpeki dana. <laughs> this is perfect in Japanese. Uh, this is perfect shit. So actually, let's not reverse it. Let's just keep on with this. So the last time I was in a close and log relationship was we ended it when I was roughly 22, getting on to 22. We'd been together for about two years together. Since then, I'm, I'm going to be 28 in about three months. It's been at least six years, anywhere between six to seven years that I've been that I have not been in a monogamous relationship. And that has been by design, by choice, because of what I found out about myself in that closed and locked monogamous relationship. And the, primarily the reason why it had to end. And it ended in a very mutually beneficial way. There was no blood at the end. It was perfect in that sense. I remember uh, I remember standing here in this room actually, and we we're both crying. Uh, with a smile on our faces when we realized they had to end. It's something beautiful. And Jaya, I wish you the absolute best, whatever you're doing in life now and whoever you're with. So, 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 so. So. What is most opportune for me and what has been most opportune for me based on my desires 
has transcended purely just the ability that I need to learn, that I need to have the freedom to be able to learn myself about, I learn about myself in relation to others because the key word I used there was need. When I was 19 and I was going through the 30-day challenge and going through those open and free relationships after the 30-day challenge, that was need-based. That wasn't desire-based in terms of want. It wasn't just something nice to have or something I really enjoyed. No, they were really painful. It's really painful to go through your first process of open and free casual relationships. It's really multiple, seeing multiple people is really painful. There's a lot of nights on your own where your fucking stomach is turning because you're wondering about what she's doing with someone else. If you're a guy and of course, if you're a girl, the reverse. There's a lot of nights where you're tossing and turning because I really want to text her, but we said that we were not going to do that. I really, I really want to just say to her, hey, how's your day? I really want to look in the eyes like I love her. Yet, you know, you just, you don't want to drop ties. You don't want to drop ties to the moon, uh, drop ties to the world. We're trying to keep our world separate here. We see each other on the moon. This is what we agreed to. Stay true to the principles. It's like there's so much fucking learning and pain that's involved in it. It's not a, it's not a desirable, want, enjoyable thing at that time. You know, people think like the idea, noobs, fish, fish in their infinite fish wisdom. <laughs> they think that, oh, open and free. Multiple partners, fuck yeah, that's what I want. You know, that's what they think until they actually get into it. And what they realize is that, oh, human beings are emotional concoctions. We are emotional volcanoes. And that all of a sudden the ego starts to get deep, gets deep claws into these relationships, interconnections that we have. And a lot of pain is caused when you have to remove those claws. And that's the process of open and free relationships, actually, is just learning to take the claws from your ego out of these relationships. Take the claws out, let them be free. Set them free, let the wings fly. So, 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 so. After that period of me going through the open and free relationships for two to three months or so, I finally met my diamond in the sky, which is the girl that I just previously mentioned, the aforementioned Jay, and we spent two years together. However, we did not just go straight into closed and locked monogamy. We went into it very, very soon though. We went into it very quickly. You know, normally I would spend at least a couple months before you start to get the idea that you would want to be with someone in a closed lock monogamous style. You know, you go see each other in multiple different scenarios and give yourself time with multiple other people to really juxtapose that perspective. But with her, it was within, it was within... I think it was the second week was when we decided to get into an open and free relationship. It was like, so we had the we had the first date, which was she was a connection, she was a mutual connection through the gym. I've actually described this in a social Q and A. It's called Magic in the Gardens. I've described the story a couple of times actually the way that we met, but to breeze over the story, to not go into the absolute depths of it because it's an absolutely magical story. I just can't remember which podcast it's in. I've I've gone over this podcast definitely in social Q and As. I've definitely gone over it in BDPs. I've gone over the story at least two or three times. It's a long story though. But basically, another personal trainer was training her and her friends in the gym. He said after that session, I was training my client at the same time doing some boxing. He said to me afterwards, I think one of the girls that I'm training fancies you. She wants to know if she can do a uh, boxing session with you. He hooked me up with her details. I arranged for the boxing session. We met up. It was fireworks from the beginning. I realized at the end, I don't want to on-sell her to become a client. I want to take her out on a date. So as soon as the session's over, I send her that text saying exactly that. And she comes back saying, of course, of course, uh, what would be better, food, dinner, lunch? I'm really into food. I'm like, fuck, fuck, just adventure. We're just going to do an adventure, maybe here. We had what I call the magic in the gardens date. 
which is basically just like a 12-hour date almost. It was just fucking ridiculous. Just adventuring all over the city. Just ridiculous. Ending back up at my place. She gets hives as just as the movie's ending because of my dogs. I had to take her back. Kissing the car in the rain. It was just ridiculous. Okay. After that, I think we saw each other one or two more times. And we basically got... That's right. That's why I'm bringing this up. We got into an open and free relationship off the first date. That's right. It was on the first date that when we were at the dessert house before we went back to my place that I, that I sat down with her and I said, because of the connection, which is so unreal, which is the absolute greatest, greatest girl at the time I'd ever met in my entire life. And the connection between us was just absolutely insane. You know, I would love to tell the full story for you guys now, but it's just really not to the point of what I'm trying to get to. I'm just trying to remember in which podcast it's several. I've been over this story several times. It's several podcasts. It's eating me up. But anyways, because I want you to hear the full story. Listen, if I can somehow remember afterwards which podcast the full story is told, the most recent one was a social Q&A. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put it in the YouTube time mark description somewhere down there if I find it. Otherwise, if one of you guys are fucking deep and you know, just drop it in the comments. So yeah, anyways, this is the most, this is the pivotal point when we're at, it's like, we'd been together since like 12 or 1 PM and it's like 9 PM now. We've already had dinner together. We've gone to a dessert house. We're at the dessert house. And I basically just sit down in this little booth of her and say, listen, what we have is something special. It's something crazy. And, uh, but you know, I could go either way with you. We could either just be the best friends of all time, or, you know, we could have something real, real special together, just together, which could be an open free relationship, casual relationship. And I said to her, uh, so that's why I'm going to leave it there. I literally just left it there. And I said, I've got to, got to go to the toilet. And I went up to the toilet. There was some Pikachu drawings in the toilet. I came back. I came back. And as I'm going to sit back down, I'm like, hey, you know, there's Pikachu drawings in the toilet. And as I sit down, she's like, so what is what is a casual relationship? What is an open free relationship? And this is where we start holding hands on the table. I go through the T's and C's of what open and free relationships are. Now, I've definitely got very specific podcasts on that entire videos on that social q a on how to set up open and free relationships casual relationships that's all there maybe that's when i fucking went into it maybe that's when i went into the story hold on this is worth getting this is worth let me just because it will be in the time marks if it is i'm just going to go into my own channel here just for a second just to see ah social q a live oh no oh no i started i pressed i pressed the one of the it might actually be because what I'll be able to do is I'll be able to find if I can find the how to set up open and free casual relationships. Oh, it might be in this one as well. Listen, listen, if this takes fucking YouTube ads, if this takes any more than a minute, I will bin this. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to let this drag on too much. It's just that it's really worth it to find this story in full. Chinese SEAL Team 6 story. Shire. No, it's definitely not that one. Okay. How to bring up casual relationships. It might be this one. It might be this one. Hang on. Let me see. Because if it is, it'll be in the time marks. Just, I know, just take a deep breath, guys. But trust me, I would not be trying to find this if it was not worth it.
It's not. It's not in this podcast, but that's the name. That's the title. If you guys are looking for it, how to bring up casual relationships, social Q and a live season five, episode 51 that goes through rigorously, rigorously how to set up the open free casual relationships. The story though is not in that, but I know I have discussed it several times within social Q and a. So anyway, it's fucking birds. What? Okay, this is the last try. Last try because the, the full journey of social dynamics, it actually might be this one. Holy fuck. I think it actually might be this one. It's just that YouTube's not loading the description, so I can't. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Hold up. <laughs> this is when I've got no hair as well. That's when I was uh, baldy. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. All right. Shit, yes. Okay, I fucking nailed it. We have money. We have Zenny today, my friends. 100K Zenny to Adam. <laughs> it was worth it. Okay, so if you want to find the full story of the full Magic in the Gardens story actually told from when I was that age. Because what I did was I wrote an entire report for my pro- my private Facebook group. It was just me, Roy and Matt, rest in peace, and Jordan, the original bowl group. I wrote up a report of the entire experience and I read that out and went through the entire experience in that podcast, in this podcast called The Full Circle of Social Dynamics Explained. Social Q&A Live, Season 4, Episode 39. There you fucking go. <laughs> That's worth it. Listen, the reason why it was so important, and just go into the time, the timestamps, YouTube description to get it. The reason why that was so important, I think you guys are bearing, bearing with me with that, is because that story is so important to get the full, the full painting of it. I'm really not doing it justice in this podcast. I'm really just breezing over it. And the reason why I'm breezing over it is because the main point was that even with a girl that was basically my diamond in the sky, not even basically, she was my diamond in the sky. She's the greatest girl, my absolute 10, just perfection. The connection between us, perfection, ridiculous. Even with her, it was on the first date I brought up our, us being an open and free relationship. Like That's how fast-paced I was moving things. It was on the second week after only seeing each other once or twice since then that we actually decided to get into a long-term, closed and locked monogamous relationship. It was only two or three weeks later at the maximum three weeks, but I think it was somewhere between two to three. You know, we'd only say this because that was one of the running jokes in our relationship for the next two years was that the the meme from Anchorman, well, well that escalated quickly. Now, that escalated quickly. You know, that's what people always used to say about us was that that escalated quickly. And you got Ron Burgundy sitting back of a Corona going, that escalated quickly. That escalated quickly. <laughs> you know, that's what people always used to say about our relationship because it's like we we just met and then two weeks later, we're in a relationship and the last span's like two years. But the point of why I brought this up was that I still entered open and free off the bat. Because where did I, why did I want to bring that up? Why is that important? Because of the contradicting nuance that some of you may have thought of. But what if the most opportune, uh, what, if the, what if my opportunity that I'm seeking what if the opportunity I'm seeking and the desire for that is to get into a deep, meaningful relationship with one person? Should I still go into that off the bat or should I still start with open and free relationships? Always starting open and free for all the reasons I mentioned before. And that's what I did with her. Now, it was just super fast paced. It was Australia Express. It was Australia Express post because the connection was unreal. And I was very sure after two weeks that I've seen, I've seen what I need to see. I've seen other people during these two weeks. She's seen other people during these two weeks. So I've seen what I need to see. Let's fucking do it. And it paid off. It was the greatest relationship of my entire life in terms of 
closed and locked monogamy for sure. And I have not been in one since. I've been in several before that. Oh boy. Okay, so that was a lot of rabbit that was a lot of rabbit hole in there. There's a lot of bamboo shooting, but I think we tied it all up. I think that all tied up pretty nicely, actually. You know? You know. If you know, you know. Okay? You know? <laughs> oh boy, by the way, guys, what time are we get? We get 3.30. Someone's about to walk in, I believe. Uh, I might have to pause the camera in a second. Pause the session, but we're kind of getting towards the end here, I think. No, 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 no. We've still got a whole other section to go. So let me summarize. Let me summarize that point. So the reason why I brought that up was that as the balancing of my sex, of my sexual activity, the balancing of my sexual activity and my dating life in my formative years of social development was that at the top priority, save the purpose. Physical and mental development and all other relationships really were down on a back burner because that was the number one thing I need to invest in. Once I felt I had made that investment and I had done what I needed to do, I had entered conscious competence and that I had cemented within that, I was happy to go into a long-term relationship that lasted two years. Now, to prove to you guys that I was not wrong in that assumption or not wrong in that clarification of me being consciously competent in social skill set and having cemented that was that the day that relationship ended, the day that relationship ended after two years, I went back out with a whole bunch of guys. Jordan was there. Several other guys were there. I filmed a video for this channel that is no longer available because it has a lot of infield in it. And I went out and meet 10 people. Went on several instant dates, closed a few numbers down, set up a few day twos. It was awesome. Very painful at the same time, but very awesome at the same time as well. And that to me was the proof of what conscious competence is, which is that if you cement yourself in conscious competence, you can take two years off, come back out the next day, you'll be fine. Because you're never, you're never going to forget at that point. But it's not just achieving conscious competence, which means getting to 6 p.m. It's cementing, which means 7 to 8, optimally 8, somewhere between there, 7 to 8. So that's how I knew that. Uh, that's why I have so much belief in that. That's why I push my clients so hard to achieve and cement conscious competence, not just achieve it. So that they have the investment for the rest of their life. It's so powerful. So now that we've put formative, devel- formative development stages, how I'm, oh, I said I was going to talk to you as well after once I had uh, exited that relationship. I went straight into open and free relationships. I was seeing, I was going back out a lot. I was seeing a lot of different girls. And but what changed then? This is a good. This is a good point to make. What changed then was that now I no longer needed to continue working on my social skills. I have achieved conscious competence. I can go out in the day, in the night. I can meet any anyone, anytime, anywhere. Is no problem. Now it's really just a matter of who do I connect with. However, I went down the path of learning to become a coach, so I continued to work on my social skills. But that was for completely different reasons. I never had to. I just continued to because I wanted to reach unconscious competence and you must be unconsciously competent to become a coach, but I never had to. So during those times, my purpose changed, transitioned out at that time. I just transitioned out of the photography and videography and went into now making this my full-time thing, becoming a social dynamics coach, a full-time thing. And now that's going to take up all of my time. And that's now where we can transition into the back end. Now that I can relate to you, now that social skills, for those I've now just addressed, and now actually is a good time for us to take a pause. Someone's just about to walk in. 
So I chopped on my my friends. Okay, guys, we're back. Just had to let someone in. Okay, moving on. So now that, yes, the purpose has changed and my time commitments have changed, but also most importantly, not only has the purpose changed, but the hierarchy of my social development has changed now. So this is going to get a little bit sticky because what I really want to, the reason why I want to bring this up is now for those of you that are no longer in the need of social development, how to balance your dating, sex life, and if you do want to continue learning social skills, but it's no longer a need. It was a need for when I was talking about when I was 19 to 20, or 17 to 17 to 19, really, and a little, little bit of period after that. But now that I'm older, now that I want to get into the coaching space of this, and it's no longer a need, things have to change a lot, actually. And that's actually going to bring us to current day Adam as well, because largely the principles have not changed from roughly 22 to 28. I've roughly been living very similar in terms of how I balance uh, sex and dating life with the rest of my life for the most part. And I gave you a lot of examples at the beginning of this podcast. Well, actually, I didn't go very deep into them. I tried not to go deep into them, but now I can go a little bit deeper. So so it's I just want you to apply what I'm saying here in principle. The examples are going to be very different because there are very few of you that are going to be living similar lives to me. My life is a very peculiar one. It's it's uh, it's interesting that actually my um client here, X, has actually got a very similar schedule to me in terms of how he schedules his morning and night routine. I'm actually very similar to that. We're pretty damn close. Like I go to bed at 9, he goes to bed at 9.30. Like it's pretty close. So, and for other examples as well. But that was just something that was a nice similarity. So, yeah. So, I'll have to talk from my own perspective here, but just make it relevant to you. So, From 22 to 28, I've been living in the open and free style, the open and free casual relationships in which that I have had no desire to enter a long-term committed monogamous relationship. Primate, of course, you guys are going to ask why, primarily because of what I found out about myself at the end of that last long-term monogamous relationship, which is that I actually have quite a desire for sexual variety and for sexual experience, both on a physical, mental, and spiritual level which cannot be satisfied with being with one person. And that's why that was primarily the misalignment between her and I. Of course, I did not know this about myself. I always thought that I was uh, going to be good for monogamy. And just one second, you just don't know. You don't know until you get into a long-term monogamous relationship uh, for a good period of time after having been in open and free relationships. And you're never really going to know if that's something that you want to reopen that if will that desire resurface is what I'm saying. You know, a lot of uh, people and a lot of my clients tell me that because they all go through open relationships to begin with, but then they find out, actually, you know, this is not for me. Like, even though Adam, I recognize that we need to do this for my learning and that's why I'm doing it and I really appreciate it for that and I totally get it, but I don't want to live this way. And I'm saying, that's totally fine. I'm not asking you to. I never would try and force you to do that. Your life's your life. You've got to know you and it's actually not even the best. Like I'm saying, if your, op- if your number one desire is to hunker down with one woman and build a life of her, then you need to find the mating system that's most opportune for that, which would be monogamy. So have at it, but don't have at it until you've developed yourself fully. Eh, that's what I'm talking about, son. So it just came out real good. So, but what they don't know is that it's a different ball game once you've been in open and free relationships, get into close and lock, and then find out about yourself that actually maybe there's a part of me that does like open and free. 
And so that creates extreme friction and extreme uh, discomfort and discern between your internal fibers because you simultaneously love this girl that you're with in monogamy, but you really want to experience sexual connection with someone else. And so you have to do the mature thing at that point. You have to uh, part ways in the relationship, but do it in an empathetic way. That means there's no blood at the end. And that's how what I did with Jay back all, the, all those years ago when I was 22-some. And since then, been learning because I found out that information about myself, which I was not privy to, which is why I brought this up. I didn't know that that was going to happen. You know, when I first, that f- first year and a half with, with Jay was, uh, you know, it's the type of girl that you want to have kids with, you want to get married to. But then in that last six months, that's when I found out about myself that actually it's got nothing to do with her. It's not that she's not satisfying me or it's not that she's done anything wrong. It's that I found out about myself that I actually have very high desires for sexual variety. And it's a disservice to her to keep her locked away for that or to try and fool her that it's otherwise or fool myself otherwise. So be mature about it, be a man about it and do what needs to be done. I did what needed to be done. Six years later, 28 now. Almost 28, but almost six years later. Been living in the open and free relationships, but my purpose has only gone stronger every single day, every single year. And that part, that hierarchy is always going to be there. And there have been times where I've had to schedule my social development above physical and mental just in periods, just to go work with clients, just to go do immersive periods with clients in particular. But those are few and far between. For the most part, the hierarchy is maintained the same purpose, physical, mental, then social. I talked about the flex before. I talked about the flex, the flex room to have sexual relationships in. For example, I, I don't. I, I fuck with myself to say uh, break the rules, but actually, a lot of the time, it's not even breaking the rules. Now, I just like to refer to it as flexing the rules, which is that, you know, I'm generally speaking. Once I finish my, but by the time I finished my last meal at night, I only eat twice a day. I eat once after training, and I eat once at night. Normally, finishing around. And for those of you out wondering, yes, I'm still on the carnivore diet. All I eat is red meat, salt, and water. I drink salt and drink water. That's all I eat. I eat one meal after training. I do my training fasted in the morning. So that's roughly around 10 a.m. Sometimes it's a little earlier. Sometimes on the weekends, it can be a little bit later because I train a little bit later on the weekends. But then at nighttime, it's always after the ocean cold plunge, which I do every single night, which is which normally has me at roughly around 7 p.m., 7 to 7.30. But once I've done that last meal, it's like normally, well, first off, first principle is that I don't, during the week, I'm not going out on dates. I'm not meeting any new girls in person. I'm not going to any girl's house. That's generally speaking the rule. But I do allow myself the online time, the the time to to snap, to get into some some rowdy business through Snapchat or through our WhatsApp or whatever, or to just connect with a few different girls that maybe haven't seen in a while or whatever. Or especially during COVID, you're going, you're using Tinder, Bumble, etc., and chasing up leads and creating connections. Whatever you're doing, following up on old connections, old leads. You know, I'll be doing that between sometimes. Like I, what I allow myself is from seven thirty until nine to be able to do that. I'm not allowed to touch that during the day. I'm not allowed to touch any online dating apps or any direct messaging apps where I could talk to a girl during the day. It's not allowed to happen. Like, well, for example, with Instagram, I have to use Instagram for my business, but I'm not allowed to open a DM, for example. If I see a voice message or a video message waiting from a girl in my Instagram DMs, it's not getting opened during the day. Unless like it's 
something pertaining to my business. Purpose goes first, always. It's not, it's not until late night. And so, and listen, you can just go and ask any of the girls I'm seeing. They say, when's the time you can talk to Adam? It's going to be roughly, it's, he's, it's going to be sometime between the hours of 5 to 9 p.m., depending on what the day is, right? But it's definitely not going to be during actual business hours, so to speak. And so, yeah, and I brought that up earlier in the podcast as well. So, 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 but that's not always what's going to happen. That's just the hours that I allow for it. But actually, let's be honest here. A lot of the time, I just turn my phone off after dinner. I'm just not even allowed to go on my phone after dinner. You know, I might have between 5 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. is when I'll condense those social hours where I can uh, talk to people and talk to my friends, talk to sexual connections, different women. And, you know, and we'll do that through 5 to 7.30 p.m. But then I'll just turn off after dinner. Sometimes that's the case. And I'll go through periods up and down where I'm doing more, I'm doing less. And this is where I want to bring the flex which is that if I do find a really hot connection, which give you a straight example, have a, a connection with a absolute teed, absolute teed. I'm talking about teed of teeds. Like for those who don't know what teed is, teed, short for TD. TD stands for Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift refers to the Fast and Furious movie that has all the hot Asian girls in it. Teed means a hot, hot Asian girl. But this girl is a teed of a teed. And uh, oh, she's she's got like a Latino body, but in an Asian in a kind of Vietnamese slash Chinese mix. It's ridiculous. Her body is ridiculous. Uh, it, it gets me excited how good her body is, actually. So we've, we've, we've had a connection sparked up over the last week or so. And so I've been flexing on the rules where uh, we've been doing some pretty uh, – we haven't, we haven't actually – okay, how many, how, many details can I, <laughs> how many details can I mention here? All right, so – First off, you need to know the context of how we met. This was an online connection. And and to give you guys the update on that, actually, I should, should probably update on that, which is that on the bowl sip recently, I told you guys that I conducted an experiment after my... Oh, this is going to be a super tangent though. Okay, I'll abbreviate. I'll abbreviate it. That I've been conducting an experiment with the online dating apps because previously, if you know my general thesis to them, is that I don't like them at all. Prior to COVID, they weren't even installed on my apps. Post During and post-COVID, I reinstalled them to be able to make content about them, to be able to get into the mindset of my clients and to be able to help my clients and particularly those on social Q&A. We did several social Q&As on how to use the online dating apps because that's all that was available. So that was that period. But then post, when I say post-COVID, I mean post the fear-mongering, post, post the apocalypse sentiment of when people thought we were all going to die. Like the entire world's going to collapse. Past that point, I would say, so since January 2021, I incepted an experiment with social dating apps in which it coincided with my tattoo. So I'd always wondered, well, not always wondered, but I always knew that the, well, I've always said this as well, which is that the primary currency exchanged on online dating apps is physical looks. If you're not Caucasian, tall, jacked, shredded, you're probably not going to do very well on an online dating app. And I previously never did very well on online dating apps at all. I never that that wasn't really the reason why I liked them primarily. Like I did, I was okay. It wasn't like I wouldn't get any matches or any connections or any dates out of them. But but being having any Asian in you when it comes to a swipe based one second look at this profile. It's just, it's, you're going to get a lot of lefts. 
you're gonna have to put up a lot of shredded photos to, and that's what I had to do previously to get any swipe rights because it's all physical exchange. Which is why social dynamics. I've got an entire podcast. I have an entire podcast called Online Dating versus Cold Social Dynamics, and you'll hear me just destroy online dating for it. However, as I always said, primary concern currency exchange, which is looks. And so once I got this extreme tattoo work done on me, I thought, what if? What if uh, I went and did an experimentation and I just changed all my photos that were not only all shredded and top physical condition, topless photos for the most part, if not topless videos of me doing uh, jumping off a jetty, you know, doing these types of things and also just good fashion shots as well. But the lead off photo, the lead off photo was a straight flex of just a, just a shredded photo at the beach with my tattoo in full, full, full awesomeness. What would happen? And committed to it, committed to that experimentation, and the results were ridiculous. I said I wasn't going to go into this, but now I'm going into it. <laughs> okay, fuck it, we're here, so I'm going into it, which is that the results in the first month, and to do it properly, I did the full wham. I'd signed up for, I'd never done this before, I've never paid for any of Tinder's, or I didn't pay for any of Bumble's, but I, I did this specifically with Tinder. I never paid for any of their services, never did any of the boosts or the gold or the platinum or anything like that. But I thought, well, if I'm going to do this experiment, let's get the most amount of data in. Let's get the most amount of visualization we can get, exposure. So I did I did several boosts within the one-month period, I did, which basically they just show your profile 10 times more. It's like the top profile for 30 minutes or whatever. And then, by the way, guys, if you can hear a siren in the background, it's actually the fucking little girl next door. She's making a siren like a police, like a police car. I hope you can't hear that. It drives me insane. Okay, moving on. Let's find out peace here. So I did the boosts. Uh, I did the Tinder Gold, which allows you to rewind if you accidentally misswipe on someone. It's unlimited likes. It's unlimited ev- everything for the most part, or a lot more super likes and that type of stuff. So, anyways, I went hard on it, and but this is all with the change in physical currency now. That now I have a tattoo. I always used to have shredded photos of me on there but they didn't have a tattoo on it. And the results were average. Like it weren't great, but not amazing. Not worth using is what I'm saying. Previous to tattoo, not worth using. And that's what I always said. I don't like online dating apps primarily because you just don't learn anything about yourself. You don't get to go through the pain and the fire that cold social dynamics brings you. You're never going to transition from boyhood to manhood psychology using online dating apps, which is why it's never the recommendation. But I've never, I've also said that if you do have the physical currency, then by all means, fuck around with it and have fun. Because right? I'm not going to deny that that's what it's primarily based on. It's just that I was never able to use it for that because I didn't have the tattoo work. So we used the tattoo work and the results went through the fucking roof in which that ridiculous amounts of matches. We're talking about hundreds of matches. And I'm not living in a big city based on Australian standards. Like, so it's... And when I'm saying hundreds of matches, on when you get Tinder Gold, you get to see who matches with you and you can choose whether to swipe on it or not. So it's not that I'm attempting to match with hundreds of girls that are not of my stand, not what I particularly are interested in, but you can see how many. It's just ridiculous what's getting swiped on. But also, here's another insight for you guys. I never used to get swiped on by Caucasian girls. Now, versus cold social dynamics, going and meeting Caucasian girls out in a club, out in the day, no problem. No problem. Extremely attractive, straight dime pieces, straight girls that look like they would just melt your face. Go up and doing cold approach, 
blow just no problem. It's just it just amazes me. It amazes it's just amazes me how if you know if you're consciously competent in cold social dynamics, you can go meet anyone. I really means anyone from a girl who's kind of average looking to a girl that looks like she belongs on the cover of a fucking of a fucking book of a book. We're looking about book standard, right? Magazine standard. And when you know conscious competence though in social dynamics, it doesn't matter what you look like because your social dynamics transcends your physical appearance. All day, every day, I've learned this and drilled this for years and years and years. On the online dating apps though, not the case. On the case, Caucasian girls will only swipe on the peak of physically appetizing. And I never, and but but if you have a little Asian mix in there, it seemed to not really work out. We're going into such depth here. It's ridiculous. I was actually, the reason why I didn't want to go into this depth on it was because I wanted to do an entire video on this. So maybe I will. Oh, we're here though, though. We're here now. So I'll finish it because we've got on such, I wasn't even supposed to, but the reason why that we brought this up was because of how I met this absolute teen. So let me, but I've kind of taken you halfway. Let me just, I'll, I'll, I'll just speed it up from here. So basically, all of a sudden now, I'm getting hundreds of matches from Caucasian girls, very attractive Caucasian girls as well, which I never used to, all because now that I have a tattoo. It's like, I was always in shape, and yes, I've been getting in better and better shape. I've just been putting on more muscle lately, but and maintaining the same low level of body fat, but more so with the tattoo, because the tattoo is a completely different game changer, not only because of tattoos itself, that it's extremely marketable in terms of physical currency, but because of what it says about you, but also my particular work is very unique and you don't see the level of work that was done on me on basically very few people, very few people. Like this was an absolute investment, not only of spirituality and of time, but also financial. Like this is a car's worth of financial investment on me. Not that that is primary to me. I would have paid anything to get this work, but, and I did essentially, <laughs> I did essentially. So, but anyways, it's, it's a, it's a very unique selling point is what I'm saying in terms of the sexual market currency of what's being transported on and transferred on these apps. So, so the reason why I brought all this up and I could go into so much detail, like I haven't even told you any of the experiences that I had within them, but I'm not going to, cause it's just, it's too deep. So, so what I found through that was that, okay, now I've actually entered a completely different stage in my life, which is that online dating apps, I didn't have no use for them. They were just a waste of time because I could never have fun with them, which is the only use for them, which is just to have fun with them. But I never could because I didn't fit the bill for sexual market currency within it. But now that I do, now I can have fun with it. That's all that I wanted to mention. Now, this does not change anything about my thesis towards online dating versus cold social dynamics. Cold social dynamics, any day of the week, will trump online dating in terms of its richness, its fullness for experience, its fullness for development and for learning. It's still for me, even though now I am still, I am using Tinder and Bumble now, but it's like, it's still a micro percentage of how I meet actual people. It's still just once or twice a week, I'll go on a fucking batch and run. I'll go on a fucking batch, a batch and tag as Roy's used to call, where I'll just swipe for a bit. And I'll drum up some connections and see if there's anyone cool. Because let's be honest, my friends, most of the girls, especially when you're getting a lot of matches, they're fish. Most of the girls, are, it's not like when these apps first came out. It's very hard actually to meet girls that are actually engaged, switched on, like intellectually. 
That's why on cold search dynamics again wins again because you just find this out so much more effectively. And not only more effectively, but you can incite someone's intellectual prowess in a real interaction far more than you can through just pixels. So girls that probably are actually really cool to hang out with because they get hit up by so many different guys, they just respond with fish messages like, hey, one word response, or if not one word responses, responses that are only focused on them, aka they don't return the, the sentiment, they don't ask you a question, they don't create a thread of their own, so to speak. They don't engage is what I'm saying. They don't get in on it. And so there's there's a lot of wasted time there, but I try not, I don't waste time with those. And I really just look for girls that are going to be, uh, like if you went through my inbox, you would just find hundreds, the command of hundreds, probably up to a hundred though, of unresponded messages on my behalf, where a girl sent a message to me and I just chose not to respond because she just didn't give me enough to excite me. You just find that a lot. But of the girls that do actually engage deep and do actually get clicked up on with, then yeah, then I'll transition it straight from the app over to Snapchat primarily or Insta if they prefer that. And that's what brings us now to the tea. <laughs> Such a fucking wraparound. The wraparound, which is that fucking TD, fucking tea. I'm saying that this was a connection. This is why I brought him so love, was that I sparked up. I met this, this uh, absolute teed. Uh, on Tinder just earlier this week. And, you know, actually it was a little bit lackluster to begin with. I'll say right from the get, all of her photos of her on her profile was her in lingerie. And, you know, it's, you can, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sketchy when all the photos are basically are like super, super like come fuck me type photos. A lot of the times it's just fake profile. So you 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 throw a you throw a hey you throw a hey young lady with a little kiss mark on the end of it just to see what what might come back, and it was real and she was real and she came back but it was a little bit lackluster I could tell that uh, if, if English is not her first language she just doesn't like she's not the talkative type she's not a language type so I say hey listen let's skip the Tinder chat do you have Snapchat or Instagram and she goes oh which one do you prefer okay Snapchat we get on Snapchat and right from the first night we are. Sending back nudes, nude videos, just fucking getting each other off. There's a lot of fucking sexual energy. Absolute teed, by the way. If I can imagine that again, like just next level. And so, like even by a bystander, like I'm not sure if I've been with an Asian girl who has a body like this. Maybe I can think maybe one or two that get into that same ballpark. But this is pretty. This is high level shit, is what I'm saying. And. And why did I bring her story up? Oh, and here's why I brought her story up, which is that, so we're drumming up a bit of a connection in which that the play is a bit different because we haven't met through in person. I can't play the same playbook, which is that I can't just go cold on her for an entire week because we haven't established a connection in person, which led to a seed plant for when we would meet up next time, which is principles for cold social dynamics. This is warm social dynamics. So there has to be a bit of an investment in the relationship in terms of how we're communicating through Snapchat. You can't just go cold for a week. You have to stoke the fires until you can meet. So we had that first sexual shebang and bang on the first night that we met in quotes. And then again on the second night, the next night again. But the reason why I wanted to bring this up was the flex within the rules. That's why. Because I had to flex on my rules because she was worth it. 
To me, she was worth it. Not only on a physical level, in terms of like she's out of this world, physically endowed, both up top and also down below, just everywhere. But not just that, it's her sexual energy, which excites me the most. Because you can have very physically attractive girls that just fish in terms of their sexual energy. But no, she's a dragon, so she's she's pretty hectic. So I had to flex on my rules. One night, I went to bed at 11 p.m. Fuck. <laughs> and I paid for it the next day, son. You know I did. You know I did. I paid for it the next day. And some of you younger ones, some of you young bucks are going out 11 p.m. Fucking wrecks you, Adam. You are an old man. <laughs> yes, I am. I am not a G-son, all right? You call me your G-son. A G-son is just the Japanese term for grandfather. You know, GG in casual. You're GG. Not GG is in good game, but J-I-J-I. GG-son. <laughs> GG-son. You call me GG, all right? I got wrecked because I was up sexting with her until 11 p.m. It absolutely wrecked me. But that was a flex within the rules. How did I flex? I made sure that the next day I didn't have any extremely purposeful time-sensitive activity to do first thing in the morning. I looked at my schedule before I engaged in that, and this is the whole purpose. I looked at my schedule before engaging in that uh, that rowdy business and made sure that it was I could flex until 11 p.m. here, even though my bedtime's nine. That I didn't have to do intense powerlifting the next day. I didn't have to go and record a podcast the first thing next morning or coach a client the first thing next morning. I had a pretty flexy morning the next morning. I was able to work through that. So I... None of my purpose succumbed to my social and dating and sexual endeavor. And that's why I wanted to bring up that story. All right. Now, just to future play that on, just for those of you that are wondering, because you said the, the playbook changes when it starts off in online versus a uh, cold interaction. So we have two to three nights in a row where we'll message each night in a row. It's primarily just been sexual based. But on the third night, roughly, it's going to depend based on the girl and how much she's trying to invest and how much you're investing. Well, really, your investment should be pretty low. Uh, you're just really gauging, is she matching that? Is she trying to overinvest? If she's trying to overinvest, I'll cut it off sooner. But if she's matching my level of investment, you know, two, three nights is a pretty good ballpark to then say, all right, let's shoot for the logistical date. We've got enough time to know each other now that we actually want to meet up. So what time is weekend? Does this weekend suit you to meet up? Okay. Once I get confirmation on those logistics, it's going to be radio silence for the most part, not entirely, but you know, maybe once on the way during, depends how far out we had to book that, uh, that day two or the first meeting, so to speak. If it's only a couple of days away, I'll probably just radio silence until then and just confirm that morning or the night before. Sometimes I won't even confirm. Sometimes depending on the girl, it depends on what she's like. Most part, though, general rule, I'm not even going to confirm. I just assume that she's going to stay true to her word and we'll meet up when we meet up. You know, some girls themselves will try to confirm. Most girls will, actually. They'll attempt to confirm. They'll say, hey, we're still on for nine, still on for 10 on Saturday. And you, yeah, can respond to that, but I'm not going to get into any chop, not going to get any back and back. What I've just described there is the difference between a cold interaction in which that once you set up logistics, when you get onto the text, it's purely logistics and you stay radio silence until then. In an online interaction that was born online, there has to be a bit of a relationship inception where you can go through some qualification and investment. And if you're going to have some sexual rowdiness, then even better. Yeah, even better. But don't overdo it. Don't make it five nights in a row, seven nights in a row. Just you know, a couple times and then shoot for the logistics once you know that actually I really do want to see this person in real life. 
Shoot for logistics, then radio silence. That's really the only difference. And what I'm really describing there in principle is that you're attempting to make up for what was not had in a cold interaction. The qualification and investment that was had in, in a initial cold interaction is missing from an online. So you have to incept that through Snapchat and Instagram. Best ways to do that or WhatsApp as well is through voice and video messages. Straight into the video messages, straight into the voice messages, get her returning the same principles, principles. Okay. Shit. Shit, we're going to some depth today. It's not even really what I was what we were supposed to be going into. Oh, but yeah, the real point of it, the real summary point was just the flex on uh, how to balance your sex and dating life with your purpose. That's all I'm talking about. Hmm. So officer, a few more points there. So I'm currently in, engaged and involved, not engaged, that's the right word. Well, it is the right word, but I don't mean it like in terms of a marital status. I'm currently involved with, on and off with two to three other girls. You know, seeing, seeing one on like a weekly basis, seeing one on a second to third weekly basis and seeing a different one on a come closer to a monthly basis. So managing these relationships and managing the sexual activity around the purpose, it's all just the principle of what I talked about in terms of flexing your schedule to be able to fit these times in. Like I said to you before, there's one girl that I can only see on a Wednesday or a Thursday, or we can only communicate properly that way. So I have to make arrangements. And at the moment, it's only like once a month that I can make that arrangement because a lot of the times I have clients on Wednesdays or I have clients on Thursdays and I'm not going to jeopardize my performance with my clients by spending all night out underneath the moon or at her place or whatever. And so maybe that's only happening once a month and I make that compromise. But then with other girls that I can flex with onto a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, maybe even though, even on my friends, my friends, even on a Saturday and Sunday, I'm still trying to go to bed at nine, nine 30 at the latest, even on Saturday, Sundays, because I still like to perform on a Saturday or Sunday in other areas of life. Even if it's got nothing to do with the bowl or eternal energy, you know, I still train on the weekends. I still want to uh, go do video shoots, photo shoots, and do other things and create other shit. I want to go fucking work out how to string a watermelon up in midair from the banister outside and drive my knife into it. That's what I did last weekend, right? You know, you got to go. You got to work out. So you got to go to the fucking Bunnings and you got to go ask the lady, "How am I going to do this? I need fishing line. I need like a a bolt that's going to go underneath it. But how am I going to hammer through the watermelon? I need a a long bolt that I can drill a hole through. And it's just there's a lot of moving pieces here. So that's what I want to spend my afternoon fucking working out. And it's like that stuff to me is like I chose that over seeing a girl last week, last weekend, legitimately to work out how to suspend a watermelon in midair so that I could practice my combat knife skills because that to me is, in terms of my purpose, that's part of my physical and mental development and that's extremely important to me. Both on a physical sense because of the physical training you get from combat knife training, but also the mental development from coordination, from the spirituality of it, from the endeavor of doing something difficult, from from the endeavor of doing what men do, which is fix shit, which is work out how to do shit. There's a lot of mental development to try and invent something which I'd never seen done before. There's no tutorials on YouTube of how to suspend a watermelon in midair. I fucking did it though. It didn't. It wasn't perfect, but I got a few slashes. I'm going to be putting it up on Instagram soon. I got a few slashes in, but the fishing wire, <laughs> the fishing wire cut through the watermelon. 
Like, <laughs> you just got to see it on Instagram. It's fucking ridiculous. Although I didn't capture the actual moment that that happened, but I captured the post. Basically, there's so because the watermelon weighs so much and the fishing wire is so thin. And it's like, it, you just push it on one angle too far and it just slices straight through the watermelon. It's insane. Oh, so I'm going to use rope next time. Anyways, I prioritize over that. There's a girl that I'm currently seeing that she messaged me uh, earlier that morning, you know, saying what's going on. And, you know, we could typically see each other on a Saturday or Sunday. And I said, uh, said oh, I'm trying to work out this watermelon thing. But she was messaging me to infer you know, I said to her, what are you up to this weekend? And she said, oh, you know, I just got a birthday lunch. That's it. And if someone says, I've got a birthday, I've got a day lunch. That's it. They put that's it on the end of the sentence. That infers, so I'm free. I'm fucking, ha, ha, ha. I'm fucking free to get in here if you want to get in here. And I completely breezed over it. I was like, well, I didn't breeze over it. I just didn't take her up on it. I just said, well, listen, I'm trying to work out this watermelon shit. I'll see you later. <laughs> I didn't say see you later. I actually asked for her opinion on it. I asked her to give me her best idea on how to do it. But what I'm trying to paint there is that even on the weekends, I'm still going to make some decisions like to whether I'm going to see her or not. What's most important to me? Do I have to see her today? Could I see her tomorrow? There's so much flex to be had both ways. That's what it really comes down to once you get past the point of needing to learn social skills. Now, this is a great point to bring up as we're going to start to bring this podcast to a sum, which is that's Adam after the point of not just needing to learn social skills, but just now wants to enjoy his social skills. I would not make the same watermelon decision, the same watermelon decision Back when I was 19, if if I had the same proposition at 19, it's either going to be the water Malone or it's going to be going out on a date with this girl. At, you don't. It's not even a proposition. You go out with the girl because you need to learn the social skill. You need to get the reference and the experience. Get the rep, right? That get learn about yourself. Okay, go do the thing you're supposed to be doing. Don't prioritize other shit that is not nearly as important. But now you fast forward many years in development. Now, and for me specifically, well, just well deep within unconscious competence, being a coach of social dynamics, I'm more than happy to prioritize fruit ninjuring a water Malone on my Sunday afternoon than going out and hanging out with a girl in the gardens and having some public sex. You know, that's that's that's. It's okay. We can do that at a different time. The water Malone, my friends. <laughs> That's just I'm just painting the mindset shift because when you're in a state of abundance, not only a state of abundance of sexual abundance in terms of your options, but you're in a state of an abundance of skill. If your skill set is abundant, then you can make flex in different ways. You don't have to overpressurize things. And so I'm giving you a different angle here. And I just don't want X right now. I want X to hear all of this, but I don't want him to think because it is contradicting it is contradicting what I said to him at the beginning of the podcast, which is that you want to make flex in the opposite direction as well. You also want to be able to flex to make concessions to allow that girl to come in who wanted to come in on a Sunday. And I did later on. Later on, we can work out another time to work to uh, to meet up. It's just that that water Malone thing was a real thing for me. Like I really wanted to work it out. I've been thinking about it for weeks and I fucking executed. And there's something to, there's something about that. I'm not sure if girls get the same high from it, but as a man, you get a fucking high from saying, from visualizing, this is what I want to do. I don't know how to do it. I'm going to fucking work out how to do it. 
There's no map though. Like no one can tell me how to do it. I've just got to figure this shit out. Like that's, it's such a, it's such a human evolved, wired, primal thing for men, I think, to just work shit out. It's engineering. Ladies, let me know if you get the same hire for that. I don't know a lot of girls that do that. <laughs> I don't know a lot of girls that would, they'd go, would, like, that would say, like, they would go, yeah, fuck yeah, Adam. Hey, get it, bruh, get it. <laughs> I'm not, not, at least not the girls I've been hanging out with recently. A lot of them would say, ah, right, you go do your watermelon thing. Go go get your watermelon, all right? And I'll see you later. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. So let's bring this podo to a summary now. By the way, for those of you that think I say podo with a D, P-O-D-D-O, it's not. It's potto. It's just that because I'm not British, I don't say the T's in a very crisp way. If you were British, you would say the potto. You say the potto. The potto. Adam, sir, is making a potto. Right, they, the British people, they sound out fucking everything. But Australian accent, we abbreviate everything. That's the Australian accent. You know, that shows. You know, how the bloody hell are you? <laughs> so. So when I'm saying podo, it's not podo, but it can sometimes sound like that. It's potto, as in P-O-T-T-O. And it's a play on words because it's supposed to be podo, P-O-D-D-O, because podcast is P-O-D. But I like potto because if you live in Australia, you or actually if you live anywhere, where do you take a shit? In the potty. <laughs> you go do potty. I was say to kids, you go do potty. So for the entire history of me doing the Bulldojo podcast, I have always said, welcome my friends to the potto. This has been a great potto, guys. Thanks for the potto. But it's always P-O-T-T-O. <laughs> it's never P-O-D-D-O. <laughs> Some of you guys get so confused on that. Like I legitimately have to answer that question at least five times a year, I would say. <laughs> Uh, or if they've not answered a question on it, I just see so many of you guys say potto, so I thought I'd clear it up. Anyways, let's fucking summarize this podcast right here on how to balance your sex life and your dating with the rest of your life. It comes down to your stage of development. That's the key point. You have to know yourself. You have to understand where you're at. You have to be humble. You have to exercise humility in the way of how much work do I need to do? What work do I need to do? And how am I going to prioritize that best to get the result that I want? If right now... I am somewhere between 12 to 8 on the clock face of social dynamics, which means I've got to, I, I need to work. I need to work on my social skills. I need to cement it. I need to put that investment in for the rest of my life. And that's the thing. I know this is going to be another tangent, but it's an important one, which is that the fucking investment. It's like I, I look back on the pain I went through between 17 to 19 and then the extra pain from 19 to 20 through the 30-day challenge and roughly well, 19 to 19 and a half or so, I walk through all the pain of the investment I made in my own social skill set. And I, I look back on it now as a 28-year-old and I say, thank God. I say, thank the spiritual, the spiritual demons, thank all the ethereal beings, thank all of the mysticism, thank all of the, the anything you want, thank the trees outside, the very... Whatever had to happen that for, and I know what had to happen. I had to have my best wing, one of my best mates, and my winger, that old brother in life who's no longer alive anymore, who committed suicide, who's now, who's fucking called me up on a Friday or Saturday night and said, 
hey, Adam, have you heard about 30-day challenge? You know, it's this thing where you go out and meet people for 30 days. It's not exactly what we're doing. Like, we'll do it for different reasons. Like, the other reasons is what he was referring to was the simple 30 challenge, which is doing a whole bunch of social freedom exercises for 30 days. But he said, let's do it for 30 days, but we'll do it for cold approach specifically. And I'm like, fuck it. Nothing else is working. No dates, no sex, no relationships for two years. I've been in the journey. Fuck it. Something has to change. Something has to work. It's definitely not what I'm doing right now. So let's try this. I do try it. Most painful experience of my life at the time. Now it's like the second or third. Apart from passing a kidney stone and getting this tattoo, tattoo's number one, kidney stone's number two. First ever 30-day challenge of social dynamics, cold. That's my third most painful experience of my life. The investment though, the investment. It's like whatever, it's the, it's the great, one of the greatest investments I've ever made in my life because of how I live life now. Now it's different because I've gone to the extreme level with it of being a coach, but you never have to. You never have to get to unconscious competence. You need, conscious competence midway is plenty of an investment that will stead you for the rest of your life. You can go into serial monogamy, back-to-back long-term relationships for decades after achieving and cementing conscious competence, and you can come back any day, go out, meet anyone, anytime, anywhere, count it fucking believe it, right? Not only because I'm a living testament to it, because I actually did that. I actually went through two years of a monogamous, monogamous relationship, went through two years of a monogamous relationship, came back out the very day that we broke out, met 10 people, instant dates, lining up day twos, fucking back in, all right? It's, I'm living proof of it that that is actually what happens if you achieve and cement conscious competence, the investment. But look at me now. Look at me now at 28 years old, It's like it's only gotten better from there because of the compounded interest. Because as you develop yourself as either a man or a woman, whoever's watching this, as you develop yourself along the journey, it's compounded interest. Once you've achieved conscious competence in social dynamics, you're never going back. You're never going back. You are only going forward from there. As to how far you go, that's on you. But the compounded interest, it's basically just look at it in terms of finance The more money you put in, the more value and work you put into your already existing initial principle, which is your foundational nest egg of conscious competence, the more you keep investing. Let's say, let's say at 20 years old, you had a nest egg initial investment of 25K into this investment fund, this low cost index fund. Let's say the, uh, the, the VTU, the Vanguard total US shares. You're in that right now, which is up on at least 20% right now. It's, it's a great investment. We're getting into absolute finance here. It's a great fund to be in right now. And it's great fun to be in a few years ago as well, most importantly. But but it's 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 getting a great return on it. If you had put 25K in that, uh, you know, four or five years ago, three, four, five, let's say, maybe not even that. Let's just say last year, right? Because I'm referencing some stuff from my own life here. Okay, I don't want to fuck with the analogy because that'll bring you up in my own life here. Okay, so let's just say you have an initial investment of 25K into this fund and then, but you never put in any more after that. It's just going to compound on its own interest, right? You never put in anything more after that, but you reach that certain level and that's what the 25K represents. The 25K was all the pain, all the pain you had to go to to reach conscious competence, but you reached it and you stopped there and that's enough. But once you reach conscious competence, the very nature of reaching conscious competence, aka 25K level, is that 
it returns itself. It returns benefit to itself. It returns profit to itself. Because if you are consciously competent, that means people want to be around you and you can engage people who would then want to be around you. So it's amazing if you can keep adding money to that initial nest egg of conscious competence and you and you, Jesus, a leaf just broke off one of the uh, plots over here, uh, just on its own. If you could keep re- adding, adding, just dollar cost averaging into your initial nest egg, uh, initial egg, in terms of your social skills, over and over, just maybe, even if you are in monogamous relationships, just pushing yourself to go do social freedom exercises, even if there's no sexual intent, just going out to different networking events and learning to create different relationships, improving your relationships with your family, with your friends, with all these different things, creating different networks at the back. You know, it's this is what I'm talking about. That's just going to push you up even higher and your, in, your compounding of interest is going to be even more intense. But it's not something you ever needed to do. All you ever needed to do was reach the initial egg. Just reach that egg level that nest egg that would see you reach a level of no point of return, essentially, no point of regression, really, in which that you're going to be good past that point. You're always going to be good past that point. Listen, you put $25 in of your initial egg and the market goes down by any almost anything. Like you, If the market goes down by what? 50% on your 25 cents, <laughs> on your 25 cents or your $25, right? You're not looking so good. You're not looking good at all because you barely put any effort in, any work in, any value in, and now the market has dropped by 50%. And what does that mean in the analogy, the market dropping by 50%? That means time in terms of social skill. That means you got older by five years, 10 years. Maybe you started at 18. You put in an initial investment of going out once a week, once every second week, and you that's your 25 cents or your $25 that you put in, market drops by 50%, what that means is that you let three years go by. You let five years go by. And now all of a sudden, you're not 20 anymore, you're 25, and it's much harder to learn social skills and to get that initial egg up to 25K. It's going to be way harder for you to generate that income. This is what I'm talking about. These analogies are fucking juicy right now. I'm loving these analogies. Put the initial investment in as early as you can. Start off, because no one, actually, that's even better with the analogy. Very few people start off with a 25K uh, initial nest egg, right? Very few people. What are we talking about right there, my friends? Naturals. Only people who are eight and above, you know, on the scale of social skill set, zero to three, hard case, four to seven, average, eight to 10, natural. And obviously the scale in between those numbers. If you're, actually. Sorry, just adjusting the line. It's just getting really dark in here now. Getting later in the day because it's winter. If you're, if yeah, if you're eight and above, right, you were given an initial nest egg of twenty five k investment in your social skills, and you're fine for the rest of life. But most people, that's not the case. So we need to do a certain level of work to get to that to that initial investment level. But just make sure you get there, so that the compounded interest just keeps returning. The benefits keep coming back to you. That's fucking amazing. That's what I wanted. That's we got into this. It definitely was a tangent. I was just summarizing the podcast. I'll just make the fucking investment, right? <laughs> make the investment so that you can enjoy life for the rest of your life, not being scared of people. So again, I want to get fucking on this. You make the investment in your social skill set so that you're not scared of people for the rest of your life. 
That is the major benefit return. It's not just that, yes, you have an abundance of sexual relationships, you have an abundance of healthy connections with your family, with your friends and your business networks. It's more importantly that you're just not afraid. You no longer live in fear of other human beings to approach someone, whether it be for directions, whether it be because of sexual interest, whether it be because of, hey, I just want to say hi, shake your hand, give you a hug. You're not afraid to do any of that because you've been training your social dynamics, you've been training your social skill set, and that you have conscious competence within it. It's invested, it's cemented, it's, it's stuck, right? <laughs> I get so hyped on this, man. I get so hyped. And, it's, and not really is it all of what I just said, but it's that in perpetuity. It's that over time. It's that when you're 25, 30, 50, you maintain that ability. It only gets stronger. It's like, why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't this be a program in every single high school around the world? Why wouldn't this be embraced by fucking everyone? Why, why did we forget this? Why, was, why does this have to be taught? These are the questions, my friends. The questions is that we all should have been born with 25K initial nest eggs of social skill investment. But that's not the case. We're really fucked up in society now. The way people are being raised, fucked up. But back in the day, can we go back to 10,000 BC, 100,000 100, years ago, back to our human evolutionary development, we were all, for the most part, socially adjusted. We all lived in tribes that had to work to benefit each other. We didn't have to learn social skills is what I'm talking about. Yeah, you get a few outliers that have a few screws loose and you throw them off the edge of a cliff, okay? That's how we used to do. That's how shit used to run. But not anymore. Right, not anymore. You can't do that anymore. Not that I would <laughs> not that I'd be a proponent of that, but we're not doing that shit anymore, okay? The Spartans were hectic, okay? They were hectic. And I love the Spartans for a lot of things, but that was something very hectic, chucking off the weak babies off the side of a cliff. Some hectic shit. And uh, but hey, listen, it made them who they were. So I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing. I'm not purporting, not not proponent, but I'm not arguing either. They dominated for very for many reasons. Nowadays though. Nowadays, the fact that you're in a position where we have to learn this, don't cry about it. Don't fucking cry about it. Just do the work because the work works. You're going to sit there and cry. You're going to sit there and pizza it up. You're going to call a duty it up. You're going to TikTok it up with these 13-year-olds dressed scantily clad, doing nothing, just sitting there, just lipsticking, just, just hee hee. As they just sit there in front of their ring light, in front of their tripod with their phone on TikTok Live, getting thousands of comments from absolute fish, just fish going, oh, I wish you could be my girlfriend. Oh, could you could you follow me? Uh, you, know, you can be that person, but that's a sad, lonely life. That's an uninvested life. That is a life that is always going to be in the red. That is a life if you're one of those people that is not taking command. You're always going to be in the red, playing from the low. It's like, I want you guys to thrive. I want you to be successful in every area of the temple, purpose, physical, mental, and social development. Also in your inner gardens as well, knowing your true nature of reality. I want you to be successful in all areas. And we've just gone very myopic and very special into this particular area. But this particular area is very, very important. You know, while it's the lowest on the hierarchy in macro, when you do go to focus on it, it then gets shot up in micro to very high on the hierarchy. You know, but that's only why. That's only why. That the only reason why that happens is because in order to get it handled, it has to be at the top of your hierarchy, save the purpose. It has to overcome physical and, and mental development along with friends and family connections when you're learning particularly about the sexual aspect. 
that can change once you've got the sexual aspect handled. But but you know what I'm saying. You invest the time, you get it done, you get it handled, reap the rewards for the rest of your life, as I'm talking about. <laughs> not that that, it's like that was the podcast. Like that's not actually the podcast. The podcast actually was how to balance all of that with the rest of your life, which is that always remember your purpose in life and just create flex to allow yourself, to allow people onto the island. X, I know you're uh, listening to this. Create flex to allow people onto the island. Now they don't have to be. They don't have to have access to your island all day, every day, twenty four seven. But especially with you being in a monogamous relationship, you're going to have to make even more concession than someone in open and free relationships, because your problems have more consequence. Because you're li- you've signed up a contract in concept and idea with your girlfriend that you two are going to be exclusive together, and that comes with greater responsibility for each other's well-being. You've asked, you've both signed up for that. So you're going to have to flex a little more than say someone like myself would have to flex for girl on Sunday who wanted to come meet up with me, but I decided to go with Water Malone. You can't go with Water Malone if you got a <laughs> if you got a uh, girlfriend and uh, she wants to go shopping at Westfield, well Water Malone is uh you better have scheduled that shit out. You better have scheduled shit that water balloon out days in advance, you know, because and, you know, I'm saying it in a funny way, but it's there's reason for it. It's because, yeah, you're not just living your life anymore. You've decided to allow someone greater access to your life. So you have to honor that with empathy and giving them the heads up. If you need to do something like spend all afternoon decide, working out how to suspend a water balloon in midair, you know, that's, that's okay. That's what it is. So flex flex room is going to be based on how you can what degree of flex you need to do, but don't live lonely lives, my friends. Do not live lonely lives, uh, which I've been through periods of as I've been working this out myself, particularly in my twenty two to twenty four year old stages, where I just went too hard on the purpose and I did become an island and I did shut out people for a lot, and uh, it's really been since twenty five to twenty eight that I've been learning to add more flex, find nights where I can go go to a girl's house for a couple extra hours that night uh if i can't get to her on the weekend or if it's a girl that it's an online connection or a long distance connection spend an extra hour with her on the phone or on the snap sexting or whatever it may be uh you know it's or having her come over to my place on a night where on a sunday night when i typically want to be doing stuff on monday you know creating flex here and there different examples just it's very lonely if you're going to be an island just I'm saying the island is important, but give access to it. Give access to your island. Always prioritize the island, but give access to it is really what I've been saying here. So, my friends, we've been down some absolute bamboo shoots today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. (laughs) If you have thoroughly enjoyed this, please let me know. In a comment on YouTube would be most appreciated on the video. It just helps out the video. If you could as well, uh, drop a thumbs up on the YouTube video. would be most appreciated. Uh, But if, if you want to drop me some... Further context, if you want to be featured in a podcast because you have a particular issue, particular story you would like my thoughts on for me to review, then go ahead to bowldojo.com. Any page there has a contact form where you can send me an email for free and you can send me long contacts there. Or you can, of course, just reach out to me on Instagram at uitang1, double O-I-Tang-1. I drop a lot of content there and actually a lot of content that's related not just to the lifestyle of the health and fitness and all other pursuits of awesomeness, but also actually a lot of social dynamics content goes up there, particularly on my story. Like I'll just do rants on particular topics to do with social dynamics. 
And so hit me up on Instagram. You can also send me DMs there. I get a lot of DMs there though. So I typically might take me a week to respond a lot of times. So just be patient if I haven't responded. It's not because I haven't seen it. It's because I just haven't got to it in the list yet. So uh, with that also being said, if you guys would like to check out deeper content, deeper resources, all available at bulldoge.com, resources of wisdom, books, films, animes, docos, quotes, that's all there. Sign up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. Comes out every week. Quick sip of social dynamics before your weekend dive. And uh, also other cool shit to keep me updated. Keep you guys updated what's going on in this world. Free email, bulldoge.com. Put your email in there. That's all there. And anything else? Anything else? I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay, let's sign it out, my friends. I'm wishing you the absolute best in your lives. Wishing you the best in your investments. Not just of the financial nature, but all of your investments in life. Much peace and much joy. Ja. That was not very good. That was better. (laughs) Sometimes I do it really fucking good. Sometimes I do it.